you wish you could be that's me i look like you want to look i podcast like you want to podcast i am smart capable and most importantly i am cam Seema, and i am the all singing all dancing crap of the world i'm eric ambler and welcome to the podcast where the first rule is you do not talk about the podcast second rule of the podcast is you do not talk about the podcast rule number three is no shirts no shoes and rule number four is you actually do have to introduce the podcast where we look at the pop culture of our youth through the lens of adulthood. It's not about good or bad. It's about then and now as we try our best to answer the question. What were we watching? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 192, Fight Club. And tonight we are all remaining men together because we have a very special guest. He's one of the hosts of After the Credits our very own space monkey, Sean Davis. Hi. hi, hi. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, sorry. Uh, when you have your own fingers in your mouth, everything sounds like vowels. <laughs> <laughs> what, what were you really trying to say? <laughs> hi, happy to be here. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a little while since I've been, and uh, I, everything's still in order. You guys haven't changed a thing. A little bit more... Uh, covid or less covid I don't know. It's been that long <laughs> since I've been been around, but I'm super excited for tonight. Yeah. A lot more fat rendering happening in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what those but, guys uh, are doing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who knows a burgle cut was up to? Is that the last one? Was uh, Willow? Uh, Aladdin, actually. Aladdin. 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 Yes, okay. yes. Yeah, from uh, Willow to Aladdin. You know, the fantasy, fun, family, you know, feel-good movies to Fight Club. That It's all on the line. There's a motif with my appearances, I, I think. <laughs> I think, yeah, if you plot it on a chart, it's like <laughs> yes. the hero's journey. Yes, exactly. <laughs> The return home. <laughs> <laughs> we are thrilled to have you. It's been so long, and it's wonderful to see your face again. Well, thank you. I mean, I look at your guys' face all the time. <laughs> Every time I look in the mirror, there, there you are. <laughs> we are all the same person. Yeah. Right? Right? <laughs> oh, now I get it. it. Took me a while, yes. but now I see all the clues. <laughs> exactly. If you go back, you'll notice. But we had no idea back in uh, the year of our Lord, nineteen ninety nine. Specifically, October 15th, 1999, which was when Fight Club was released. It's directed by David Fincher, written by Jim Yules, based on the novel by Chuck Palahniuk. I may have butchered that one. Well, it's close. Palahniuk? Palahniuk? I always say Palahniuk, but... Okay. And it stars Edward Norton, Brad Pitt, Helena Bonham Carter, Jared Leto, and Meatloaf. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta credit Meatloaf. Yeah. His name is Meatloaf. <laughs> Mr. Loaf to yeah, you. Mr. Assistant to Mr. Loaf. Hairstylist yes, to Mr. Mr. Loaf. Loaf. 
uh really small cast surprisingly just uh offhand you know observation yeah. <laughs> i mean like, it oh. is kind of fun to look and see that a few a few faces that i now recognize yeah. uh as some of the uh space monkeys and a couple other like his boss and a couple mm-hmm. other people yeah. throughout but yeah in terms of nameable like you know bankable you know billboardable actors it's yeah Especially at the time, too. And just the fact that the action flows through so few characters. Yeah. It's like, and, Even, and, and two of the yeah. characters are the same person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, but despite it still being, a, it's a, it's a, chunky movie like this is a yeah. uh, if, if not an epic then at least an epic in terms of length and stuff right and still what's such a small cast it's... i think you're a little bit biased by calling it a chunky movie <laughs> yeah, like... yeah sorry i'm just doing my own little surreptitious <laughs> propaganda in yeah. here it's my little flashes that yeah. i'm putting <laughs> He spliced that frame <laughs> yes, in from after exactly. the <laughs> So if no you start crying in the middle of this podcast, no I'll know why. <laughs> First rule of after the credits, you do not <laughs> ask questions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get too deep into it, though, we got to remind mm. people what happened in this chunky, chunky plot. <laughs> um, Cam, would you please do us a favor and blow our minds mm. by making us realize what Fight Club was actually all about? <laughs> All right, so we have a nameless narrator who lives a monotonous life working a corporate job that has him traveling constantly and losing sleep. He develops an addiction to attending support groups for various cancers and diseases, which seems to be the only place he can let loose and cry. His routine is upset, however, when another faker starts showing up at all the groups, a woman named Marla Singer. The two develop an antagonistic (laughs) relationship. Meanwhile... The narrator also befriends a rebellious soap salesman named Tyler Durden, who epitomizes everything the narrator wishes he could be, and causes trouble at all of his different night jobs, splicing pornographic images into film reels, working as a projectionist, and slipping bodily fluids into food dishes as a caterer. When the narrator comes home to his apartment having mysteriously exploded from a gas leak, he goes to live with Tyler and learns all about his rebellious ways. Their hijinks grow more and more violent as the two start an underground fight club, where members meet in secret to beat each other to a pulp and pick fights with strangers out in the world. Fight Club eventually morphs into a terrorist group called Project Mayhem, dedicated to terrorizing people in power and sowing chaos using homemade explosives. The narrator's relationship with Tyler grows fraught as Tyler hooks up with Marla and begins to exclude the narrator from Project Mayhem's devious plans. It all comes to a head when the narrator realizes that Tyler Durden is in fact a figment of his own imagination, a character he created to free himself from the monotony of his own life. He rushes to stop Tyler's plan to detonate various corporate buildings, confronting his alter ego, and ultimately killing Tyler by shooting a bullet through his own cheek. He reunites with Marla as they watch the exploded buildings collapse. Cue the pixies. <laughs> Where is my mind? That was good, Cam. You recapped at a strange time in my life. <laughs> It's a hard movie to recap. Yeah, that's uh, there's a lot going it's on. It's all over the yeah, place. It is. I that was one of my favorite parts about it as a kid and now. But yeah, it any you watch any five minutes of it and it maybe look like a completely different movie. <laughs> yeah, another five minutes somewhere <laughs> else further along. 
Yeah. It's interesting, yeah, if you try to plot this on a graph or something. This is almost this is like five-act structure. Yes. <laughs> so let's just start by talking about the first time then we saw Fight Club. Before we knew any of any of what we were to discover. Sean, do you remember? There I was, pressed against Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Crying into his tits. Uh, <laughs> uh, his bitch tits. Bitch tits, sorry, yeah, <laughs> to be specific. <laughs> I was trying to be PC, all right? Just tits. Uh, I, was, I was a juicer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for horse tranquilizers. Jesus. Um, first time, I was in high school. I saw this in the theaters. Um, I saw it on a movie marathon day. So in high school, I had some friends on the weekends. We, if we had nothing else going on, we would go to the movies all day. We would get up at like 10, go get some breakfast and then go into the theater to see the early showtime at 11 and then theater hop all day until midnight that night, paying for one movie and just whatever, sneaking into the films the rest of the day. So I don't remember. I think the, that day we saw like Double Jeopardy or something. <laughs> we saw one or obviously it was four movies. I remember four movies. And this was the end. This was like the climax of the evening. Um, and so you can imagine a long day, 12 hours of just sitting in movie theaters and stuff. And something's really got to be good for it to stick with you at that yeah. point. <laughs> and I remember walking out of that movie and just like, what just happened like all of us you know a bunch of high school boys so obviously we're, we're kind of the audience for this in a lot of ways but yeah just being blown away and just like man like not even really knowing that i loved it at first but just that it, it had an effect like this was something we watched something i was not this was not at all what we we're expecting especially based on the marketing at the time like how do you market this movie if it if you were trying to market for what it actually is right and so it's just like looked like a I don't know what it looked like in the marketing. Just a fun fight. Like, look, they're just a bunch of goofy guys beating each other up. And so we're not expecting this. And, but then, you know, talking to some other mutual friends who also saw it and they're like, yeah, it was all right. But just like, man, how could you guys not love this movie? Like, after a couple of weeks, I just remember like it's sticking with me and sticking with me. And yeah, there was a point in my life where I would have probably said this may have been my favorite movie um, for, for a good while there, especially in college. I remember it was like when the advent of like DVDs too, the, mm. the, the nascence of DVDs mm -hmm. and special features. This was like the, one of the first DVDs I bought. Like I had a DVD player and man, I, I watched every, I, the commentaries. I'd like, this would be a routine thing in my dorm room, just like on all the time. I feel like yeah. the, the cl clips from these movies also, I associate them with like the DVD, like this is DVD. Yes. It's like clips from yes. all the movies yes. and it's like, whoa. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's oh, that's so true. <laughs> and that packaging was very alluring. Yeah, like that yes. brown bag mm -hmm. designed yep. to make uh, you want to know what's it was inside. Just like, Ooh. <laughs> Could it be? Yeah, it's so it's fun because I like I said I watched it routinely all the time when I grew up, you know, in college and even a little after. But then I I hadn't watched it for probably a good five, six or more years up until this week before in priming. So obviously we'll get into that. But I have a lot of thoughts in turn in retrospect now. But yeah, at the time, uh, especially, you know, for the age that I was when it came out, I was all I, I really, really like this film. How about you, Cam? Um, so I did not catch it in theaters, but I did catch it. I think I don't know if it was a DVD rental. I feel like it might have even been like a pay-per-view situation or like a free trial mm. for whatever movie channel would show it um and i know it was bef 
before high school because I, I started high school and I met a kid like first thing freshman year whose favorite band was the Pixies. And I, I know that I was already familiar with them mm-hmm. because of Fight Club. So I, I, I want to place it like summer before freshman year or so or like maybe eighth grade. But yeah, I, I remember watching it. My brother was watching it in our basement and I was like, what's this movie? And I like sat down and watched the whole thing and just I don't think a movie had ever like blown my mind yeah. in that way. And I feel like it's kind of a seminal film for me in, in that I was like, oh, movies can be this deep and like crazy and with such a twist that I never saw coming. And mm-hmm. and then upon rewatch is like brilliantly planted. It just, yeah, it just like changed the game for me in terms of, of the way movies could be. It draws you in with that edgy content that yeah. teens yeah. love. <laughs> Uh, I definitely did not see this in theaters. I think the first time I saw a clip, it was during the MTV Movie Awards mm. for the, the Best Fight Award. It was, <laughs> it was nominated. The nominee was uh, Edward Norton versus himself when he's beating himself up in his <laughs> boss's office. Uh, and I just great. remember look, seeing that and being like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about this. Spoilers. Whatever, it's like whatever this movie is. And then a few years later, when I find, I started getting into my my like actual like loving movies phase i was it kind of came to it late high school and just started watching like everything get my hands on and torrenting a lot of movies Mm. that i you know had heard good things about and this was one of them it was very difficult to watch in the family computer room (laughs) like it was in our basement where it's like where we hung out like Mm -hmm. the whole family's hanging out constantly Mm -hmm. and it's like oh god i can't like (laughs) have this pop up on the screen with like my parents watching like a baseball game right behind me (laughs) Uh, but I, I, you know, I watched it, I enjoyed it, but over time I kind of got mean. I was mean about this movie for a little while, especially if it was someone's favorite movie. Oh and no. Like well, good thing we eyes. didn't meet like 12 years ago. I know, right? <laughs> actually, we probably, that might've been where we met actually, but you know. Sure. <laughs> no, this was, this was more like college. Yeah. Days, immediately maybe like after. 20, you know, 20, 15 years ago. And because of that, I actually hadn't watched it until this podcast. Mm-hmm. I had not watched it for like more than a decade oh, wow. I, I haven't mm-hmm. seen this movie in a really mm-hmm. long time but i still uh, remembered a lot of it mm-hmm. it's it stuck with me for sure mm-hmm. and also helped that i read the book in preparation like, right yes. yeah. i also <laughs> reread the book because i did read it back in high school i did too book nice. club <laughs> did you read it recently now that's a club yes, I, I, I did the same thing awesome. after the because i love the film i i read the book uh, in yeah. college and i reread it this week last awesome. week or whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i just want to make a public apology though when i in college where i called this like one in in this i said this movie was in the bland people's favorite movies <laughs> hall of fame which is really unfair because that's gladiator not <laughs> but you're on to something because I, I have always felt ever since i discovered it i feel like people latched onto this movie for maybe the wrong reasons like yeah. They were kind of idolizing certain parts mm. that I don't think are supposed to be idolized. Mm-hmm. The Fight Club elements. There's a, there's a definitely an element to it in the same way. Like when you, like I said, I was in call. You know, I saw it in high school, but I, because of the DVD release and all that stuff, and and the kind of the DVD really being the way it grew popular, right? It, it, it wasn't that big a success at the box office, from what I remember looking up. No, it was. But, yeah right like which is kind of sorry but it was one of those things like oh because of the timing of how dvds it, that's kind of where it you know um yeah. it launched it into the the renown it has in a lot of ways but anyways in college and you see you go into these guys dorms and you see posters of like tony montana and stuff and it's and, and there's definitely an element that is in this film where that is like 
I think you're missing the point of that yeah. movie. I don't know if you're supposed to, like, well, supposed to or not supposed to. I don't know if the idea is to aggrandize Tony Montana and Tyler Durden. Right. And even back when I was a kid in high school, the one of the reasons I loved it was because it challenged me. Like, there's a point in the film, and and even to just watching this week, I f- there's similar thoughts. There's a point in the film where... The first half or so, it does you. I get it. Like it touches yeah. you in that way. You're like, oh, this is so. Like you, you feel you're that kid. You're that. You're just that guy who just wants to be let loose. Mm-hmm. But there's a turn in the middle of the movie, and it, to me, it's the it's the lie when he puts on the lie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a second. And right mentally, I'm just like, wait a second. And I feel like when I see people who like idolize Tyler Durden, like, do, do you guys have the same trajectory I have with <laughs> this film? Because it's like. How do you finish this film and still have those same feelings? And and I think maybe that's where I kind of get what you're saying, Eric. I could, yeah, I don't know, maybe we're wrong, but in terms of this, like, bland, like, yeah, I think you're kind of missing the point. If you claim that film, you know, if you love this film because you love Tyler Durden. Yeah. And he is yeah. admittedly like rock and roll. He's like he's yeah. super cool. Yeah, right. And and, and, and he's yeah. charismatic. And I do actually I do like him as a character in the literary <laughs> text right, reading yeah. sense. Yeah. But not as a hero. Like he's not like a Luke Skywalker or something. <laughs> that yeah. I think even I mean maybe this is too early to talk about mm-hmm. it. But Chuck Palahniuk, Palahniuk, he wrote graphic novel sequels. Mm. There's Fight Club two and three. Oh, I, and I, I, I read, I, I I read summaries, mm. and the second one involves kind of this like meta layer where mm. Chuck himself is like <laughs> pitches this idea, and then like fans of the film but not the book like uh, come to his house and like confront him <laughs> because they've like idolized Tyler Durden and like yeah. don't get it. And I don't know. So it's yeah. a thing. It's definitely like a cultural yeah. thing that the author himself recognizes that there's like a danger to. The charisma of Tyler Durden. Yeah. I think, I think really, well, kind of first, first I was mistaken just about kind of the appeal of Tyler Durden because he is a very charismatic character. I just thought, you know, like Tony Montana is not. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) And it's like, I was, I was kind of equating those two. Mm -hmm. Tony Montana is fun in a different, different way, but it's not like magnetic. Yeah. Like like Tyler Durden. But I I think it's something, this is like something I struggle with a lot, especially if I'm trying to like defend a movie that I like. I think with re- more recent times, this has come up a lot with The Wolf of Wall Street mm-hmm. in particular. Uh-huh. And it's like, this is just like, you know, giving people yes. kind of a how-to manual or it's 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 uh, uh, putting this beha- putting these people and yes. their behavior on a pedestal yes. for you to idolize. <laughs> and it's like, well, not really. Like, it, you, yeah. it's like you kind of have to be willfully misreading those Ex- signals yeah. that the movie is sending yep. you. But at the same time, they can be kind of subtle. Well, it's interesting because I, we've we've had this conversation yeah. in many chats and conversations specifically uh, about like Wolf of Wall Street and mm-hmm. and films like that. Recently, um, I care a lot. That was what I think our, a lot of our conversations centered around. So I absolutely know exactly how you feel. And for some reason, I I I do have more issues with certain films in that like whatever, however you were to describe that. Yeah. But for whatever reason, Fight Club just I, I'm. It's not that I'm able to look past that because I do think there's an element to that. And I agree it's not intended, but I also think that in some ways, which we could get into, it's not not intended, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. I think the everything else about the film elevates it to me. 
and and the style, the visuals, the acting, the the we were just talking the the movie's all over the place. It's it's such a wild movie in terms of the trajectory of the plot. It's it's funny. It's satirical. It breaks the fourth wall. It's self-aware. It's of a very specific time and place, but at the same time, timeless, like mm-hmm. in some ways. And so all those other things kind of like it, it helped me look past that that thing. The same with like, I don't know, Chicago or something, right? Oh, it's about a bunch of women who murder a guy and get famous <laughs> for it. Yeah, that's not the point of the film. That's not the lesson you should be taking, but it's sometimes hard to look past that. It's about a guy who starts a fight club and we aggrandize this and... I am. I. I don't like hero worship and stuff. But yeah, it. it and you said it earlier. There's a turn. Yeah, and it, that probably is the midpoint of the movie in which Tyler becomes a villain, and he is yeah. the main villain that mm-hmm. narrator has to defeat in the end. And and he's such a great villain because he's been your hero for the first half of the film, yeah. and though and that that makes yeah. it yeah right like the best villains like have a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. There there's always an element of truth to a villain's you know motivation, uh, motivation yeah. and and conceit and creed and it's the hero the protagonist's journey to ideally if it's not a tragedy overcome that and understand it and mm-hmm. overcome that yeah it's about reeling idea. reeling back from that mm-hmm. extreme point of view yeah exactly he's a perfect foil i mean obviously yeah. that that is a, i mean in some ways it's like almost so basic like yes he's literally just a, the negative manifestations of a lot of the heroes like you know flaws right Right. It's like, how else, how much more simpler for, as a character perspective, if you're writing, can it get? Not, again, not to diminish it in that, but it's just like, it, it's funny how complex and simple it is at the same time. There's, there's so many like layers and complexities to this that, yeah, every time I watch it, and especially at the time as I was watching so often, it was, it, it was never a film, it was never a film that was like a feel good film. Like, oh, let me just put this on as comfort food in the background. Every time I watched it, it was still, like I get angry at those scenes every time I watch it, and it's like, ah, you son of a bitch, Tyler! Like you're so cool. Why, like you bastard? Like how? Like I don't know. There's, it's still, it yeah. still angers me. It, it's, it's something I, I looked a little bit into. Like there's a, a, a term like when you have these kind of unintended consequences, mm. uh, the perverse result. Oh, it's kind I of love like, that term. Like That's an cool, example yeah. is like you know inventing e-cigarettes to help people quit smoking mm-hmm. has inadvertently created an entire <laughs> yes. generation of yeah. young people who are addicted to nicotine like <laughs> yeah. it's just oops you yeah. know? <laughs> didn't mean for that yeah to happen. we were trying to do this but mm. and like every time i see a scarface or a fight club poster i, th- I think about that yeah. a little bit yeah what are the reasons this mm-hmm. person likes this film or like yeah. wh- in what ways does it appeal to them mm-hmm. so you know i imagine the thought process kind of starting with it's taxi driver, except he's not a loser. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's cool. And I, yeah. I still am. I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Like, yeah. I, I think you have to be, you don't have to be careful. And this is, I don't know if I can, I guess I'll just bring it in now, but like reading the book, it's interesting to note the differences, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. Uh, for me in the ending. Yeah. So the film ends, as we talked about where Tyler and the narrator have their confrontation in the downtown where they're, you know, have Project Mayhem has rigged a bunch of buildings to blow, specifically credit card companies in the film, to wipe out the debt, bring everyone back to zero. <laughs> and narrator shoots himself in the face to rid himself of the manifestation of Tyler. And then Marla just kind of happens to be dragged up there. Yeah. And then it ends with him holding hands as, <laughs> oh, the building still blow up. So I guess the credit card debt is still gone, uh, yeah. but we're also a good person. I yeah. don't know. Like, I don't know exactly what to take from that. But the book is interesting because the narrator 
doesn't shoot himself, but it, the the hallucination fades away when Marla shows up with friends from the support group. Yeah. It's like other people helping him overcome mm-hmm. this, and the explosion doesn't happen uh, because he it was his own mistake. He like mixed he mixed the the nitro wrong yeah. mm-hmm. incorrectly, which is something he remembers doing in the past. And so like hinting, maybe there's a little part of himself that like didn't actually want the to go time. through with this. Yeah. And then and so like. I get that as an ending, but then like, you know, even better is how chilling it is where he's laid up in the hospital afterwards and like all the people there are still kind of like wink, wink, hey, Mr. Darden. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, like, he's created yeah, this he's monster. In the institute he's like, he might be better, time. but yes. nothing yes. has been fixed. Yes. And the final line is like the threat of Tyler Durden one yeah. day coming back. Yeah. It's interesting too. One of the things that I actually kind of, for some reason, I don't know if I did when I watched it when I was younger or if I just don't remember, but my sense of the ending um had always been like he kills Dyla Durden and he is himself now mm-hmm. um the buildings still fall but he's himself but on re rewatching this week I ended up watching it like three times this week and one of the things that I kind of started thinking like you know he has like one line after Tyler goes away there's basically nothing that much happens the the space monkeys kind of come and he's like give me some gauze or whatever it's a little joke but it's such and part of me is like I wonder there's a little bit of ambiguity there it's not so much that Tyler didn't die, but this idea that he has embraced the Tyler Durdness, uh, Durdenness of himself. Right. Instead of him just being Edward Norton now, he's like, okay, I'm killing my false reality version of Tyler Durden, but in so doing, I've embraced the leader, the role, the character, the idol that Tyler Durden is. And so it's not that I am Tyler Durden, but Whatever he had is part of me now, and that's who I am now. I'm still the leader of Project Mayhem. I'm with Mar like and and that was a, a different interpretation of the ending than I had ever had before. And I'm not even quite sure what to how I feel about that. Right, yeah. I, I, like part of me is like, no, that that's that's darker, and I don't know if I like that. But part of me is like, well, maybe it's a little bit more realistic though, this idea of embracing your whole self mm-hmm. and, and it's unrealistic to kind of just reject in a, in a, in a full portion right. of yourself. And to hide it in a sense. Yes, like, exactly. Like it, right. It, it, yeah. where it, like festers and just gets yes. worse and worse and worse yes. instead of like a little moderation. So it, it, again, it's just, it, it's one of those things where it's like, I could, I've, I've seen this movie probably, you know, 50 times and still getting small little new meanings out of things because I do think it's just so dense in, in a lot of those ways. It, it's interesting. The book though, in a lot of ways I forgot, but I was surprised how similar it is to the movie yeah. Yeah. until the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's very little that's in the book. That's not in the movie in yeah. some way or like, another. Pretty much. It, it feels like every line of dialogue yeah. Yeah. in the movie is just narration. ripped, yes. ripped yeah. from yeah. the book. Mm-hmm. It's kind of jumbled around. And sure. I think it, I think it really works in the movie. It yeah. really kind of adds more of a structure. Yeah, I think the the structure and the pacing in the movie I think is better than like I, yeah. I think I appreciate it more than the book. It yeah. it it's obviously more st- streamlined and stuff, but I also think it's just more focused and in a lot of ways. The only, of, yeah, yeah, a lot of ways the writing is like suited to a movie yeah, because yeah. his Ch- Palinik's writing is so like spare, mm-hmm. bare bones. Yeah, it's like, like staccato just yeah, like yeah. boom boom yeah. boom boom and it's perfect for yeah. When you have like that economy of storytelling. Yeah. I guess the only other major other thing as I can remember is that in the book he kills his boss or Tyler kills his boss mm-hmm. and I had forgotten you about that, that aspect. Yeah. It doesn't, you don't actually see it quote unquote on screen but he like shows up to work and there's a bomb or like an yeah. explosion yeah. just like there was in his apartment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I I know I had forgotten about that but otherwise yeah I was like oh man this is almost like 
I'm sure as a kid, I, I thought, oh, the book's better because it's longer. And then what but now <laughs> looking back, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Again, aside from maybe some small, subtle differences in terms of the theme and kind of what it's about. Yeah. I do think I enjoy watching the movie. I think it's a, it's a tighter ship overall than the book, mm-hmm. but yeah. No, either way, it's a different pleasure. Side, yeah, exactly. I have to, say. Yeah. I, I have to yeah. say, like, I did, I did read the book rather quickly, like, and not just oh, yeah, because it's, a quick it's, read. it's yeah. not. It's like it was captivating in a certain mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in terms of going back to the narration, I will, I will even say that I think it's one of the best examples of narration. Oh, in, absolutely. ever in cinematic yes. history. Um, like, yeah, the tone of it is perfect. Like, like being so for this really crazy, shocking, provocative movie. It's so just dispassionate yeah. and deadpan. <laughs> And, you know, the purpose is just to kind of strip away the pretense. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's almost like the most vain thing he can do, even though he keeps saying, I'm just a regular <laughs> yeah. sad sack guy. He's like, uh, no, I'm just like, I'm butting in yes, constantly every with time. what I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> also, and, and, uh, yeah, as a plot device, he's unreliable. Like, he's, it's just, it, 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 like turns literally an yeah. unreliable narrator yeah. from the very beginning. And at, at the end of the day, he's he's basically just like Tyler, just kind of like prone to going off on his mm-hmm. rants, but mm-hmm. just way less charismatic. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it's interesting because I was reading up and in general, you know, film theory and a lot of like is especially at the time was narration was frowned upon. And because it was seen as like lazy or a crutch, right? Mm. Uh, you know, some film critic or, you know, whatever, yeah. uh, intellectual, you know, had written essays and like, it just was just not in the trend. And this was kind of in the face of that, kind of purposefully like, no, we're purposely going to put all this narration because it's kind of the anti mm. kind of norm of what films should be. And yeah, I think also it speaks to like Brad Pitt gets, I love Brad Pitt and this may be my, his, favorite role of mine um but ed norton is so good in this and the narration is a huge just that like not monotone but like just unaffected yeah kind of sarcastic but just just like, that yeah just enough smugness just enough yes, sadness yes yeah. I, I feel like it's perfect for his character who's just this corporate cog who mm-hmm. just like is dead to the world mm-hmm. and like lacks passion yeah hence the creation of tyler like that's why to go back to just like the to the embra- embracing of Tyler, yeah. if he if he's like the light side and Tyler is the dark side, he just needed that pull to the middle. Yeah, that that Tyler could provide him, mm-hmm. and that's that's where he ends up in the end. To me, that's that's kind of how I read it. He needed to hit bottom in order to like realize that oh, okay, I got to pull myself back to from the bottom. It, yeah. yeah, absolutely, and and that kind of again, uh, uh, there's a there's. Aside from the more toxic elements, which I I, I do want to get back to because there's so much to talk about there, especially (laughs) with today's context. There is an element of this from from Tyler's, you know, ethos that I do agree with on on an idealistic level, like the anti-capitalist, the anti like there's 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 a certain appeal to that that goes beyond just the toxic masculinity aspect that he represents and it's like, yeah, this consumerism, this this corporation that's dic- that dictate our lives. There's there's a truth to that, and I think that also is like a, another interesting aspect of this story of the fine line that that is. Like it, it it's not a it's not a binary left or right political spectrum. That it, it's it's a constant vigilance of like, yes, is the 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 fight against authority and authoritarianism and stuff is not that far from succumbing to it in other ways yeah. and and it's that's another thing that's just like the more i watch it the more i appreciate those aspects as a, as a high school kid i 
did not really pick up on any of that stuff. But man, this is so prescient in terms of the cult mentality. The fascist overtones are in there too. Like, and I get it. Like, it's so seductive. It's so seductive. Because he, he lures you in with what you want to hear. Like, yeah, this cat, like this controlling, oh yeah, don't be capitalism. So-. And he's like, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I could kind of like, I get behind. <laughs> and then before you know it, you're, you're, you know, people are dying and people yeah. are getting buried in lawns and stuff. <laughs> there's, there's a line that Tyler says that I still like, it still rings through my head every time I go shopping. So it's advertising has us chasing cars and clothes, working jobs we hate so we can buy shit we don't need. Yeah. Every time I talk myself out of a purchase, I'm just like <laughs> buying shit we don't need. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> put it back. <laughs> Pitt's just delivery on all the, this movie yeah. is so quotable. Like, there's oh, the, yeah. the the well known ones, obviously, but like any of those Tyler Durden things that are just like you know blanket statements of just like this idea are just like <laughs> ah, so fun to the way his delivery is on all of them too. Yeah. My favorite pit delivery in this whole movie is when he asks like, "Which celebrity would you fight?" He's like Gandhi, and he's like. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> like he pauses. He's like, "God damn!" Like, yeah. like, really respects him in that moment. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the only time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another kind of element, especially when I was younger, that the big surprise, obviously, that like. I, I I can't even think of another film that really like Sixth Sense kind of comes to mind, but it at the time I that had been spoiled for me, so I it that particularly did not have that effect personally on me, even though mm-hmm. it may have on other you know the population at large but i think there go it goes beyond that um even and and so there's the big twist but i think the stuff that like also had me coming back were all the for lack of a better term better term easter eggs throughout this film like not just like the good writing in terms of setup payoffs but just like the little things like obviously little flashes of tyler like Mm -hmm. early on and stuff to the point where like every time like oh did you notice it that this time did you yeah. notice that this time yeah. like it said this on this and it said this or whatever like when obviously the narrator not having a name and just now all the little like sneaky writer devices they get around yeah. like never introduce themselves over the phone right. that you never see his address on his like all these things that it's like when you when you go in a pre- knowing these things it just makes it, it's like, ooh, like, yeah, it's like a where's Waldo of fun things to point out. Like, ooh, this was this and this was yeah. this. It's almost a distraction yeah. from, like, kind of the, the actual content, like, thematically yeah. of mm-hmm. the film. Like, yeah. I, although I admit that it's fun, like, yeah. the second time around when you're realizing <laughs> well, to look for all the clues. And it's not exactly, you realize it's not exactly subtle. Oh, not at all. Like, like it, <laughs> all the flashes that you get, like, the superimposition of, of Tyler's image yeah. in, in scenes before he's... Yeah. actually introduced yeah. there's even the it's it is before he's introduced before narrator meets him there's the scene where he's like i wake up in a different city a yeah. different time zone mm-hmm. could i wake up as a different person yeah. and it's like literally a shot of <laughs> yeah, Brad Pitt just like going that, up the escalator yeah. it's like it's right <laughs> yes. there and the book does that too yeah the book is almost even more obvious yeah. in some ways and but. it's but it's only because we know it yeah exactly like, exactly but this movie's so piecemeal and so it's yeah. like jumping back and forth through time that you don't really register that as like an obvious mm. clue at the time. It's just like, we yeah, this is just rambling. This yeah, is just- was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Things that like you think maybe are going to be set our setups for other, like in a more traditional movie, like, Oh, we have the same briefcase. It's going to be a setup for they switched. Like, no, it's just a blatant, like they're the same person <laughs> yeah. or like when he's beating himself up in his boss's office and it freeze frames. Like I suddenly had memories yeah. of my first fight with Tyler and just like, 
like you're right it is distracting to a certain point on us but like if you've seen it 50 times i could look past that i could now pay attention to the part i wanted to but yeah it's definitely like what are you like you're not even watching the movie anymore you're just like looking for like like a little hidden things i think it's also because it's all pointing to the same yes uh, yeah the same revelation yeah like it's yeah. different like i watch edgar Wright movies like and mm-hmm. I, I i like it when you go back and say oh this connects to this but yeah. it's like there's so many different payoffs yeah, yeah. this is all just the one payoff <laughs> just the, yeah. it's like we, how many times can we <laughs> can put we, it in yeah. here but i do like one of, some of the clever ones like Sometimes Tyler spoke for me, like, <laughs> and, like he just repeats whatever he's saying, or even just like kind of where like it makes you read or listen to the dialogue in different mm-hmm. ways. Like when he says, I think it's like after he gets mad at somebody, he's like, Tyler's words coming out of my mouth, and I yep. used to be such a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> or, or the line like, I knew it because Tyler knew it. Mm-hmm. It's yep. like all those which have meaning on their own, like they obviously yeah. still work without the twist, but then you go back, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> every night I died and every night I was born again. <laughs> you know? <laughs> all pointing towards the double life. I remember one a friend, when I was in my dorm in college, and you know, we just had a guy's dorm, doors open, everyone's just, you know, watching movies on the hall and coming down and a friend was watching this for the first time he'd never seen it before and for some reason he was in the middle he paused something and came down to my dorm because i had like said oh i love fight club i i obviously didn't spoil anything for him or as much as possible like, oh you just gotta watch it just check it out whatever so he was watching it and he was up getting a drink or something he's like man are there like weird flashes in the like in tyler <laughs> and i just flat out lie like what are you talking about no because it's like what do you do like i can't spoil it and so i was like no that's weird man that's no, I don't know. I don't know. That's weird. I, just like just playing it off. And then after he's like, dude, you liked him. I'm like, yeah, what am I going to spoil it for you? Like I had to lie to you. But but it, the funny thing is when I saw it for the first time, I did not notice any of those. Now flashes. you sound like I Tyler. I had, to, exa- lie I had to, to lie to you. It's for your own good. Have I ever let us down before? <laughs> I didn't go back to check, but I'm pretty sure there's a um, at the very beginning when he's talking about testicular cancer that support group i feel like there's a flash of a penis like right when he says that Ooh. if there is i just to, like I, punctuate the like the penis dick joke the, yeah, of it all dick, the, yeah <laughs> i know there's a tyler shows up there at one of those mm-hmm. yeah but I, I don't know yeah i don't he's, know if he's I've also in like the ad and on the hotel tv yes. yeah yeah As the <laughs> that's one of my faves ma- waiter guy Welcome. Or whatever. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. I was just saying, in the book, it's kind of interesting that he actually gets those jobs. Like, it's not just Tyler. Like, he gets the job with Tyler at right, the right. at the uh, at the rest or the hotel or whatever and stuff. Yeah, I just I like I like Tyler as this kind of he inserts chaos and and rebellion into every into all these into polite society. I guess is the overarching. Yeah, like inserting pornography into kids' movies or rom coms or whatever defecating in people's in in fancy restaurant food (laughs) i like the i like the symbol of soap as kind of like his motif yeah and that's like the imagery of the the dvd it's the imagery of the book Mm -hmm. depending on the version you got but um it's the tagline yeah Yeah. and and i like soap as it's it's this clean thing it's it's literally the epitome of cleanliness yeah but it's turned into an explosive yeah (laughs) Plus, um, you you realize like the actual like kind of horrific and disgusting origins. Oh, of, yeah, like, yeah, that's yes, so, it's yeah. is it's, it's <laughs> rendered fat, fat and excess yeah. from and all I, the like, dead bodies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that's that's I don't know that's this movie in a nutshell. It's like the excess of mm. polite society. It's the excess of 
yeah the corporate job world and this is what happens when that kind of sucks the life out of people is they swing in the other direction Mm. yeah I, i think there's kind of getting into a little bit of like the way looking at it through today's lens but I think this, in a lot of ways, wasn't necessarily like the advent of all these ideas, but it, it keyed into something before it was like on the early edges of the of the bell of the curve into in a lot of these ideas, but yeah. of extremism, right? Mm-hmm. You, you take you know very corporate, very buttoned down, very polite kind of life, and what's the reaction to that you swing hard the other way, right? So it's now not about you know, being necessarily free or doing what you want. It's now about destruction and chaos because that's the opposite of order, you know, right? Like, so, and, and that's what, that's what's happening. You have these people who are, are playing into that, 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 that need, but it's also like a weirdly, it reminded me of parts of like 1984, this idea of double think where you're able to kind of have two contrasting ideas in your head at the same time. And you have Tyler spouting, like you're slaves to this corporate idea. And you like, you need to take control of your lives at the same time, lose control. Give me all control. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's this perfect idea or this perfect kind of like portrayal of this double think or this subservient to a, an individual, an authority, an authority, right? Yeah. Like while that authority is telling you not to listen to authority, like yeah. it's, it's just like really. And again, through today's lens, through the last five years, four years of our political system, mm-hmm. I mean, really more than that, but mm-hmm. but more to a head in the last couple of years, it, it's impossible for, at least for me, to not see, like, oh, yeah. it's... And, and then the space monkeys are like, man, it, the Proud Boys. <laughs> yes. the, like, like It's like, oh, this is... Part of his, his megaphone rant. He yes. says, you are not a special, unique snowflake. Yes. <laughs> which I think Polinic takes credit for inventing <laughs> the word snowflake, the snowflake or just yeah. like using it yeah as way. is like yeah. that term yeah yeah no absolutely i think there's obviously some uh, some credit to that at least it being used widespread or you know in that context but yeah this i mean is is and that's where the kind of it was toxic masculine masculine yeah. before that was a common term before that was a thing that was this was this is still the perfect example of toxic toxic masculinity. yeah to me because to me you know i, I think we all have an idea of what toxic masculinity is, but different ways of like defining yeah. it. Mm-hmm. To me, it's masculinity turned into victimhood. Yeah. Like, oh, see, seeing that, yes. like, just because I'm a, like, for some, re- for whatever reason, yes. you see that being a man makes you some kind of a victim. Yes. They, a- they've, they've repressed us for too long right. and we've been feminized and been raised by women. And it's, you know, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also interesting to look at the movie through that lens and that influence when you have the narrator saying things like when, when he talks about meeting Marla, he just, that's what he's, and she ruined everything. <laughs> yes. it's like from the jump is blaming that's it all on her. Yep. <laughs> um, and that, that element of this victimhood thing is from the very, it's so much so that what he is gatekeeping a safe space that he doesn't even belong in. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, if that's not white male privilege, I don't know what it is. This idea of, I am a vi- I, I I want so hard to be a victim or a minority, right? Like yeah. I will like literally hit me as hard as you yes. can, beat me up, <laughs> beat me up. I want I crave this so I can yeah. now claim to be the victim. Now I have the justification for it. The support groups that and instead of Marla coming in and seeing someone who has the same 
issues, the mm-hmm. same emotional stress, the same potential issues that they could connect on and bond in. It's what do you do? It's the same people that 4chan do. It's the same people that Gamergate people. It's this, it's no, they don't belong here. This is, this is our space. This is yeah. my space. You're ruining it. Mm-hmm. And it's it, 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 again, 20 years before our current state of things. And you watch this movie and you get a better idea of what our current state of cultural discourse is than anything. Yeah. Right? Like it's, I don't know that that's what was more I, I wouldn't say surprising because I obviously knew that was an element of it but how much it still is relevant even after not having watched it for a good four or five six years or whatever yeah. I will say there's an element too that like there's a lot of this that hasn't aged well well I won't say a lot I, I won't say the film is canceled or anything like that but there's a definitely a certain aspect of it where it's punching down in a lot of ways mm. I feel and I think it is intentional because that's kind of the arc that is but i think it's still hard to look past especially the early part about the support groups it's hard not to read an element of like the the diminishing of especially the male support group where he's like uh we're still men and crying like there's humor in that but the humor is is at the expense of those people right even that's that's a crap like by today's standard by any standard but especially now that we're more aware of that by today's standards, that's the stuff that it's harder for me to look past. I think as the film goes on, it makes those things more front and center and it's intentional. Like, look, this is not cool. But early on in the film, it's not so apparent, Mm -hmm. at least to me. Yeah. I feel like we're just seeing it kind of through the subjective lens of, of narrators, like just bleak, yeah no i agree look like where where these are he is a tourist yeah and in, in mm-hmm. all the like in these support groups for people that are genuinely trying to like find comfort and support and community and I, yeah and i think that's what if i'm being generous and and going to maybe what the intention of film is i agree with that i just think that it's obscured by how it's portrayed it's hard to read that Especially with the support, especially like the fact that Bob has bitch tits. Yeah, like it's hard (laughs) not when he's constantly referring to them as bitch tits. It's hard to not see that as like demeaning. And again, it's it's comical, comical, and or even like the guy who's like, oh, she's remarried and she has a kid, and good for her. Like it's not empathetic; it's uh, it's pitying, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's an element that that's now when I watch it, that's one of the things that I think is a little bit more challenging for my, you know, personal sensibilities now. Um, and the rest of it, not as much because now I'm much more, you know, confident and like understanding of like what it's trying to say in terms of talks and masculinity stuff. Mm -hmm. But the beginning stuff, I don't know if it's aged as well. Again, I, I, I still really, really like this movie, so it's not canceled in my mind, but yeah, (laughs) I just feel like that. Yeah. I see what you're saying, Mm -hmm. but I also see this movie just, dealing in and reveling in trash yes and yeah. and, dis- and like just everything disgusting and like yeah. pitiful yeah yeah, yeah that- there's there's a black pill mentality to this for yeah. sure yeah. yeah yes and i also think you know that's bring ageism into this it's i do a- think it's a bit of a gen x thing and yes. it's like i yeah absolutely. i've kind of come to terms with that just generally mm-hmm. yeah. like i can't always get on board with that but yeah. i understand why you're like that yeah like, yeah <laughs> exactly um, and and in some ways actually i think for me, it tends to it, it can humanize. Like I think of the character 
the cancer patient who just wants to have sex. Like, yeah. like, yeah, as, like that was kind of a nice yeah, thing. Like, would... Even though it is like a little bit comical, it's also like, yeah, these, they're, these they're still are still human. People. They're yeah, still like... craving. And, and, and it goes to everything is <laughs> speaking towards this idea of connection, yeah. vulnerability, acceptance, and connection, which to the narrators, like it makes that so relevant for today like you look at all this toxic masculinity and these people who were even more so with social media and all this stuff and trying to it's people looking for connection everyone is desperate they're desperate for it they're he is literally going to support groups who have people who are dying because he does not have this connection in his life and he's willing to present himself as this as a lie to find that Mm -hmm. so yeah it and and as I go and you realize, I, I now pity the protagonist and even the, the space monkeys and Tyler Durden more from now's lens. Like, in some ways, it's it's much more sad. Not, not just the narrator, but even like Tyler Durden, right? Like, there's a certain sadness to that very, very specific mindset mm-hmm. of it's us against them. We're the, we're the saviors. We're the true enlightened people. And everyone else is just sheeple, right? Like, it's unhealthy and a bad but there's also a certain like oh, that's kind of sad that you think yeah. that another thing that strikes me in the same vein is when they are trying to frighten the police commissioner mm-hmm. into like stop yes. to yeah. stop looking into their activities yes. he you know tyler revealed actually the narrator who is just saying to him like we are the people who make your food we drive your ambulance mm-hmm. we all do like we kind of do all the grunt work yes you know the yeah. things that you don't want to do so mm-hmm. do not fuck with us and like kind of like puts a more sympathetic spin. Yeah, on it. that's definitely a side I still yeah, sympathize with and exactly. empathize with. Yeah, yeah. that kind of anti one percent. Like the like I I still think those things, and I, that's what I'm saying. It's like I still agree and like feel, but it's like I st- you have to like separate that, right? Yeah. You have to like oh, yeah. peel those layers away and like no, this is still a valuable ideology of valuable system of beliefs but you have to uncouple it from the toxicity like i think what you see is like both sides lack the sense of irony yeah like yeah, yeah, yeah of yeah. what they're doing because i think about it especially when they have uh the fight between the narrator and angel face and he's just pounding him yes. to a pulp like after yes after like planning all these like anarchistic pranks and mm. then what he says like get him to a hospital like yeah that's what you're trying to destroy, <laughs> yeah, though. But exactly. like, no, yeah. when we need it, well, when we need it, we'll use exactly. it. Exactly, it's, it's, like, it's such a sense of privilege too. Like, it's, it's cynical. Like, yeah. yeah, it's cynical yeah. privilege. Like, oh, when we need it, it's fine. I mean, even to the point where, like, after they shoot the uh, after uh, after Meatloaf dies, yes, and they're like, oh, fucking pigs, right? Yeah. And then it's the cops who are on their side, like yeah. a couple yeah. scenes later, right? <laughs> I, I also think of like the scene where Edward Norton sits down with Marla in the restaurant. That all the space monkeys work mm, yes. at. And he's like, make sure we get to clean food. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's all yes. right for everyone else to get yeah. <laughs> shit in their food and stuff. But, you know, I, I'm using my privilege again, right? Yeah. To make sure we're safe, right? Like, yeah, it's a, there's a certain level of hypocrisy yeah. in all of it. Mm-hmm. But kind of going back to, Cam, what you're saying in terms of like the grunge and mm-hmm. like, obviously mm-hmm. some of the theme, but that's another, like, Generally, I don't really am not drawn to that, but for whatever in this film, it just works for me. The dirty, grungy, just it's like a it's it's a chic grunge. It's, it's a chic. It's dirt. one of the most beautifully like, yes. gr- grimy films, and I think David Fincher excels yeah. at that aesthetic. Oh yeah, like he just oh he just drapes everything in shadow, and mm-hmm. like everything's just <laughs> dirty. It's beautiful. It's it's a, he he creates beautiful images of yeah seductive grime. as yeah. you were saying. Yeah, it's it's so like I mean. Fincher after this film, but 
especially after like seven as well. Mm -hmm. Fincher was and still is one of my favorite directors because I think he has such a a firm grasp on exactly that uh, visual motif Mm -hmm. coupled with the kind of theme of the story we're going to sell. And I do think in a lot of ways, this is kind of like a companion piece to seven Mm -hmm. just because of that dirt and grime Mm -hmm. and just like every, you just never feel clean. And I love the idea of this, unnamed city like yeah they kind of imply maybe chicago maybe a little bit but it's it's never so specified and i love that about seven too it's just like and taken to the extreme even though it's you know chuck's idea but an unnamed narrator like look this is everyone this is literally you put your name on this guy he's you right like this is any city where do you live that's where it is They, they even employ the second person yeah often in this like you wake up in Dallas. Yes, Worth. exactly. Like you yeah. wake up mm-hmm. in all these places. Yeah, it and it it's a weird like why would I like this and like the blood, the effects too. Like the blood is so distinct in this movie. Like mm-hmm. it's like not like blood in other. It's not cartoony, but it's also not realistic. It's I know it's I, I remember reading or hearing once. Like, you know, when you have blood on for a film, there's like a swatch. Like, the, the, here's 25 shades <laughs> of like, what do you want your shade of blood? And this is like the darkest, blackest kind of like shade they go with. And yeah, like the scene when he smiles at the guy in the in the boardroom meeting oh, and his yeah. teeth is just like seeping blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it's so grimy. I love it. And Tyler's <laughs> spitting on the guy who yes. owns the bar. <laughs> Ooh, that scene. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, that's uh, just like, and the guy throws up because of yeah. it. It's so visceral. The guy <laughs> throws up. <laughs> yeah, all of it. Like, and, and it's funny because for a movie that's called Fight Club, there, there's a, there's obviously a lot of fighting, but it, it's not. A, it's obviously not about the fighting. And like the climax isn't even like them scoring off in a big fighting match. And, and it's just like so raw and just like the the, the terminology is like your burger. You're just like chewed up mm, and just like yeah. like. Uh, it just everything about it is I don't know why it's appealing. It's it's like appealing in an anti appealing sense. And <laughs> I don't know. Brad Pitt can make anything yeah, cool. He's yeah, he's so so charismatic. Uh, it just every time I see him in anything, like it's like we do did not appreciate him enough. Like I'm glad yeah. he's he's getting a lot of sure, he's getting his yeah. flowers these yeah. days. But like, man, I love a Brad Pitt performance. Yeah, he's he is always, in my opinion chosen well in his career like he always picks like really great directors Mm -hmm. almost always to work with like even if the movie doesn't end up great Mm -hmm. like it's like well i i would pick that director too yeah i would want to work with that person too i could see what you were seeing yeah you know reading the script or whatever and and yeah yeah, even even the movies i don't like i could see the script like like one of the films i didn't really one of my least favorite of his films is the mexican but I mm. that film is not as normal. Like it's not a rom com. Like it's again, it's outside of what I expected that film to be. And I get the appeal as a like if I'm an actor reading the script, and he has a lot to do in that film. Like he, it's a it's a good performance. I I think even, but um, especially so early in what we now can you know see as his career for to take this on, like to take this role, like yeah, it's he was the heartthrob. What Legends of the Fall, and you know like, and now just like just going swinging the other way again and just st- still sexy in maybe more ways but just like <laughs> this is not like you're like oh the picturesque heartthrob you know? yeah heartthrob <laughs> you're like oh god 
terrifying. Yeah. yeah. I do and I do love his just awful, annoying laugh. It's yes. just amazing yes. <laughs> in this especially in this role. Oh yeah, it's so good. Then apparently he actually filed down his tooth <laughs> yes. for this role. Like right. it wasn't a prosthetic. It was literally he, he chipped his own tooth to, for that. I remember seeing that. I think that was on the Wikipedia page, and I was looking at like the sourcing for that, and it was like this really old like People magazine item, and it was hilarious to read. Like because it kind of like you know it kind of confirmed my theory. It's like we we haven't really appreciated Brad Pitt enough because he is too beautiful. Yeah. And like the the way he was like written about is the way that like well female celebrities have written out forever. Mm-hmm. But like it was all applied to him too. Yes. It's like it was like, oh no, sorry ladies. <laughs> the cutie got his teeth filed. And I was like, <laughs> Jesus, like respect what he's doing. Yeah, like, oh, he's not as oh, pretty anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> Can't take him home to mom anymore. It's <laughs> crazy. Uh but so good. So good in this yeah, movie. So good. And like you were saying, Edward Norton also yeah like, I, he, in comparison you, like it, brad pitt just sucks up so much of the oxygen at first and like takes you maybe mm-hmm. a second viewing to really appreciate what he's doing too yeah i mean he it's it's obviously a more by comparison subdued mm-hmm. you know uh, role but just the the delivery on even not just the narration but his interactions and the way they especially the marla yeah dynamic <laughs> with all like yeah <laughs> there's so there's so many good like there's, moments there's and, an amazing yeah. just reaction shot where it's at the end where he knows he's tyler durden and he sits her down and she's like chewing him out and she's like admitting you're yeah. spectacular in bed yeah. and the, the yeah. shot the, yes. the reaction shot of his is just like fuck that wasn't even me like, yeah. <laughs> missed it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also hello bonacar it's so funny because to think this was this is the first role I ever saw, her, mm-hmm. and I don't remember anything anyway that I saw. But in a lot of ways, so different than so many of her other like, and what, she, the brand that she's become, yeah, the yeah. brand that she's become. <laughs> but like, man, she again, she epitomizes that that this that griminess that yeah. like distorted <laughs> like kind of well, definitely sad, but also just like accepting of just like who you are and like all like. There's a moment where, uh, oh, it's when is they're meeting kind of at the, at the 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 support groups the first time, and he's like, "Yeah, you don't want to do this, man. You, this is you don't you want to be here. You want to get it's addicting." And she perks up with the thought of becoming addicted to something. Like <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is so just like gross," but I love it. Like, and she and there's a lot of those reaction shots of her and like her mannerisms and stuff throughout. Um, yeah. I love I love the running. There's a running gag. I don't know if it I. I Stop paying attention. I wanted to see if it was throughout the whole film, but I swear for like the first like 10 scenes, she's just chain smoking in every <laughs> yeah. single shot that mm-hmm. she's in. Yeah. <laughs> like no matter the location, like no matter where she is, mm-hmm. it's just like always like a lit cigarette yes. and just like smoke billowing everywhere. Yeah. It's like, like almost like another appendage, like yeah. all the cigarettes. It's just yeah. like there all the time, <laughs> almost like a finger or something that she just has. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, oh, and the costume design of this too. I love all of their costumes, especially hers and and Brad's. But mm-hmm. like the costume, especially once he kind of knows he's Tyler. I mean, actually throughout, but like he has that fur coat and the the weird <laughs> tank top. Yes. Um, but the red leather jacket yeah, yeah. again, it's so like Iconic. cool. You're like, oh, he's so cool looking, <laughs> yeah. man. It's still grimy and grungy. It's like if if the you know Dara Dara leaked was actually a line. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I've never made that connection. <laughs> You're so right. 
right? I, and, yeah. and like, I think that's also why I laugh so much at that joke because I do sometimes kind of roll my eyes at like the ju- junky cheek kind <laughs> yes. of idea. Like, and and Fight Club is not immune to it. It's like no, it's, not it's, at all. It's part of it's at least it's it's like done more intelligently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is that element of like slumming it, which is kind of the point for the narrator. Mm-hmm. It's never really addressed, like so you know, front and center. Yeah, yeah. Like that. This is this is what he's doing. But yeah, man, it is totally derelict fashion. <laughs> oh man, and, and all like all her thrift store stuff too, and just like, oh man, <laughs> it's like so it. overboard on that direction. But eh, it's it's yeah, it it keeps it memorable. I think that visual aesthetic, even if it yeah, like you're saying, it's so slumming and stuff. I, I think that's partially why I think it's still somewhat timeless is those visual elements mm-hmm. is just like in a lot of ways it couldn't be made in the same way today. I, I think you can make an argument that could, this film could be made today, but it would not have the same, definitely not the same visual, I don't think, elements to it. Yeah, it would it'd be interesting to see. I think certain people, it would take a David Fincher to, to yeah, kind of like approach yeah. it that way and pull mm-hmm. it off. Like I, it works here. There are so, but I've seen so many movies where oh, it's yeah. just like it's the it clean Hollywood yes, version of yes. a junkie. It's like, yeah. so, <laughs> and this is like almost borderline, but it's also kind of the point. Like, yeah, exactly. We're like exaggerating everything to to make the satirical or whatever yeah. kind of point. Yeah, I have a question for you guys. If you could fight any celebrity, <laughs> who would you fight? Ooh, Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> It's a tough question because, like, do you go with just like the person you a person you hate, right? Because you want to fight them, but do you or do you go with someone you want to like physically, like, be you know, like touching <laughs> and like, oh, I'm like connected with them somehow, you know what I mean? <laughs> but like, so Trump or like Tucker Carlson would be like a would be up okay. there. But I think if it's someone like it would be, I think it'd be like just interesting and fun to be in a fight with, like paul rudd or something right like yeah right like well, i would just like like how would he fight like what yeah. would he do? <laughs> like I, I i might choose like stanley tucci yeah like, oh, yes, right. because like i want someone like i because i love the narrator's answer of william shatner it's yes. just like oh like, <laughs> you know what that would be like a fun scrap yeah probably, like, like really how would what would that be really tenacious like, <laughs> like i imagine like stanley tucci if you get him in a fight he would actually like you know try and hold his own oh yeah I, I and can, also, I like i like you but him. there's also an element of like but why is everyone like you like i'm gonna <laughs> yeah. fight you i'm gonna fight you Stanley Tucci. That's why I was like, Paul Rudd, I just can't see him actually like being aggressive and fighting. So it's like, what would he like if he was literally really in a fight? Like, would he like really be throwing me? Like, what would I what would he do? Would he try to get out of it? Is what you know, it just like, <laughs> but yeah, today's celebrity ecosystem, man, it would probably be, fu- be fun to fight a lot of like news personalities or reality, yeah, yeah. reality TV personalities. <laughs> I mean, there's that's I'd fight where, Andy yeah. Cohen, that'd be a fun fight. I bet he could. I bet he could I, yeah. fight, man. <laughs> I bet he's got it in him. I, well, there's a lot of those, you know, more uh, divisive personalities now that probably for that very reason, like the same reason people want to fight them or the same people watch the reason that people watch them to begin yeah. with. So, um, yeah. What about a uh, historical figure? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man and again i love tyler's reasoning there just like yes. you know lincoln would be a, give me a good fight yeah like, exactly guys, it was a, it was skinny the skinny guy is like, the yeah. fight harder or something <laughs> <laughs> he's got a long reach you know he's, he's like kind of imposing uh napoleon would be fun i think napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what he yeah i'm sure he would yeah he right? was the kind of person who like like needs validation exactly right he's gonna go harder yeah. right and I think he probably has a similar stature to me. Well, from what people like, he was a little shorter and more like kind of like stout and stuff. So 
Yeah, we won't be equal footing there or closer. <laughs> oh, thought it was a small, silly one of those like not quite Easter eggy in terms of like um, showcasing like ooh they're the same person that there's so much, but again subtle like small little things that kind of speak to this like man child mentality, and that's the band when they're in the bar for the first time and they're like going that almost like a good that good fella shot where yeah, they're kind of going and the band exactly. is like uh, what is uh i do what i want and it's just like this <laughs> metal like i do what i want and it's just like yeah it's like literally they're yelling this like mo- <laughs> the, the, the same mentality that is espoused by by durden so yeah and, and, and children <laughs> yes and yeah. children exactly and and that's the teenage thing. boys yeah. like what, yeah, are we, what do we do me? about that i mean we're all very intelligent <laughs> yes. reasonable yeah. men we we self-examine <laughs> we reevaluate. yeah but shockingly not a lot of people do that not a lot of people do that yeah so what are we to do far less than we would like <laughs> anyway yeah and, and i think that's i mean so one of the reasons why i after watching it this week and and kind of wrestling a lot with like the things that you were talking, we were all talking about and, and still landing that I do really love this film. I think I would still probably put it in my top 20, at least films, if Mm -hmm. not top 10, something is because, okay. So current lens of like the, of the, the, the trolls, the online trolls and the, and the, just the toxicity kind of surrounds our culture. I think one of the reasons I like that is because I do understand that mentality. And I'm not going to lie and pretend that I'm above that or be or, or better than it or something or somehow more sophisticated or smarter than the people who do have that mentality because I do get it. I there's part of me that wants someone to challenge me to a fight. Yeah. There's there's a there's a primal basic part of me that acknowledges that yeah, I'm not going to lie. If someone like if someone forced me into a fight, there'd be part of me that liked it. I remember as a kid, I was a I was a fairly built middle school, high school kid. Like not like athletic. I didn't necessarily work out all the time, but I just had like a, a little bit bigger upper body and stuff. And no kidding, on at least three or four separate occasions, I would just be hanging out with friends, walking down the street, biking at the park. Other people coming out, other guys, teenage boys coming up like you want to get in a fight? Like, like just like looking at me, like I just like looked at them and smiled or something is like, what are you looking at? You want to fight? Or just like, man, you want to get, you want to fight right now? I think you'd be good in a fight and saying no, like never <laughs> once did I like do that. But, but I'm not, there was part of me is like, man, what, what if I had said yes? What, <laughs> yeah. like, what would that mean? What, what kind of, and just like, maybe it was just because early on I, I had that, more clear division in my mind of like, no, this is not a good thing to do. I, that's not a right. Mm-hmm. That's not a choice that, you know, a healthy person should be making or whatever. What I'm hearing you saying is like, you don't have to hit bottom in order to learn. Maybe that's your it. Lesson. Like, yeah. And I feel the same way. Like I don't need to overdose on heroin or even try <laughs> yeah. heroin mm-hmm. in order to know that that's a, a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> in a car accident on purpose. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I'm okay with the guided meditation. Yeah. <laughs> but, just to kind of speak to the people that if they do have to hit bottom, the the people who for some reason can't accept that um, vulnerability or those people trying to make connections that they perceive as intruders on their space or yeah. whatever. I, I guess what I'm saying is I understand why they feel that way. There is a part of me that feels that way too. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend that I'm better at that, but I think why I like this film is watching this film helps me recognize why 
I don't succumb to those things, why mm. it's important to not succumb to those things and to not fall into that line of thinking. I think it's a very seductive ideology. It's so yeah. seductive, but by being presented with this kind of form of media, this, this film particularly, it reminds me like, Oh yeah, this is why I'm not a four chaner. This is why I'm not a gamer gator. This is why I don't harass women or whatever not to brag like i'm not trying to like virtue signal wow. here but you know what i mean like this is like oh yeah i get it i'm not that that I, I even though i understand it and a certain part of me even empathizes with it that you know i i, yeah. I the, one of my favorite lines is i wanted to destroy or i wanted to yeah destroy something beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. i love that line there's i i get it i i feel that i do feel like there's part of me that just wants to destroy things when i'm frustrated mm. or the system doesn't work for me or when i do feel alone i disconnected or i don't have a, a significant other in my life there's part of me that's just like rages i i totally get it mm -hmm. so i empathize that but yeah i think that's what Kind of what you're speaking earlier to is like what how do we separate art or films like this where like people do like don't get the point i think for me that's what i think justifies it or at least gives me value to it is that it does for me anyway it does help me establish my own values it helps me understand who i am and, and, and yeah i think there's <laughs> a lot of films that do that but i think this is like i said it's one of the top films because of that yeah you know? And it also reveals who others are. Yeah, and it reveals who others are, unfortunately. And, yeah. I, but, you know, that's why I think, especially now, you know, watching it 15 years after, mm -hmm. you know, being high school, college yeah. age, I, I I do wish I had to get a tiny little wee bit more yeah. responsibility no, I, in it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, you know, I use Critiker mm -hmm. to, like, kind of catalog sure. my feelings about movies and, like, change it over time if I rewatch something. Yeah. So, like, just for the heck of it, I watched or I looked up my rating for fight club, which I hadn't rated until like, since like oh, yeah. college, it was like a 90, which I changed to an 80. This time. I'm <laughs> like, that seems about right for sure. like where I'm at uh -huh. and like mm -hmm. kind of, you know, the, the process you go through, I guess just mm -hmm. naturally as you, yep. as you get older where like, I agree with so much of what you're saying, Sean, like yep. I see like why people feel this way and I appreciate uh, having that perspective and I appreciate also how it makes me think about the way I am and why. Yeah. But I also do think like I am even more acutely aware of how people yeah. in our society, in our country, especially like take movies and television as lessons on history and human relationships. Mm -hmm. And just like, that is where they take their cues from. Yeah. You have to be a wee bit more responsible. Like to, to use another Fincher film as an example, I love how the social network ends. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah. Uh, Zuckerberg has grinded everyone into the dirt, and at the end, he's just the loneliest fucking yeah. man. In the he world. just wants someone to accept <laughs> yeah. him. He just he's wants someone up. literally yeah. accept oh, that me. one person who did not, yeah. who like just yeah. refuses to to kowtow to him, no matter how important or rich yeah. he is. <laughs> yeah, that, I know I, that I, Citizen Kane emptiness within yes. him. Mm -hmm. And you're right. So in delicious. that case, I do think it's more, and 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 I totally understand. And I think, yeah, the mileage will vary in that case. Um, yeah, if there was more of a a little bit more of a clear button to this, yeah. where it's like, wait a second, the, don't don't be Tyler Durden, like just you know, basically, you know. yeah, basically what I'm saying is this movie is too cool, and like that <laughs> yeah. was just it's just more of an advertisement. <laughs> yes, it. sure, it's just too cool. It's, it's too seductive. Too seductive. Yeah, it's too much fun. <laughs> too fun. <laughs> too cool, man. Man, it's so cool. God, I hate it. Cool. <laughs> 
Oh, you know, it makes me feel like it's cool. I, well, there's also <laughs> like sexy. Fighters. Like I was saying, it's yes. <laughs> I can't get out of it. There's a part too where it's just like, like I was saying, it's not like comfort food. I don't like this movie in the same way I like yeah. Lord of the Rings right. or you know, or The Simpsons or whatever. It's not like I turn this on because I want to like feel like and cry because it's so romantic mm. and heroes are heroes yeah, and classic like classic story. You're a classic story, <laughs> and I get swept on it. I don't like it for those reasons. No. I don't like there's part of me that likes it because it's frustrating. Like that there's mm. there's like in the same way like I'll watch a I don't know, a scene from a specific movie or something like that is like I don't get like I I'm trying to figure this out, but the 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 ambiguity or the kind of layered complexity to it is the appeal in it, appealing. Like sometimes simplicity is boring, right? But yeah. if there's some layers of like how do I how do I sort through this? That there's a there's an allure to that too, um, I, and that's definitely not for everybody. Some people don't like that in their film and art. I just right, but I think for me, when in this film, I think it kind of hits on that where it's it's challenging in some ways, and I, and that it appeals to me in that sense. And so I feel like it's a morality tale in either direction. It's like don't be too complacent in your yeah. stupid, boring corporate job that drains the life out of you, but also don't. <laughs> take it to the extreme of you know hurting other people and hurting yourself mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i don't know we, we talked about gen x earlier i brought them up to insult them <laughs> right <laughs> you're being, you're being as proper no, no, no. millennials no, no. do <laughs> I, I to me like the the stereotype of the 90s is like just not giving a fuck that there's kind of this like yeah. blase like we yeah. don't care like grunge is this know? all there is yes, yeah exactly um and to to me this movie represents like a breaking point of that mentality it's like mm-hmm. to taken to its most toxic degree in which we feel so left out so burnt out that we turn to violence yeah first because of ourselves like we invite pain we invite self-destruction and that ultimately leads to connecting with other people who feel the same way and then turning it outward mm-hmm. well also you the idea of um the gen xer and the the the, the gen Zer and like there's a certain like element of kill the past in this too yeah. there's a certain like history doesn't matter um but also like i, I really like what you're saying cam about like the 90s because it, it this feels like a, a punctuation like this is like the extreme punctuation yeah. to that mentality. And it's perfect because it's like the pretty much the tail end of the '90s. This came out in October yeah. of '99. Mm-hmm. It's like as close to the end of the '90s as you can get, and it's so yeah. perfectly like captures the breaking point of the '90s mentality. And a lot of other films, like The Matrix, same year. It it, mm-hmm. it it's this, a lot of the same exact same ideas. Now yeah. something that is less maybe you know grungy or or mean or you know whatever about it, but it's a lot of the same ideas of this corporate structure, this mm-hmm. authoritarian um, regimented life that we kind of found ourselves in and this fight against it. Yeah. And, and like, it's not terribly surprising that like we had a, an act of terrorism not mm-hmm. too long after this movie mm-hmm. raging against the American way of life, yeah. the American corporate this corporate way of life, consumerism way of life. Yeah. Another thing that was actually kind of interesting that I think nowadays maybe is a lost, a lost context is, even kind of going a little bit maybe further to what you're saying, Eric, about like being a little bit more responsible, specifically with like kind of in the, in the 90s, I remember it was big, was the anarchist cookbook. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that in this film too. Yeah. And now that those elements aren't as relevant, like they don't say now as much, but I remember in the 90s, I was like, ooh, you can make you can make bombs out of these simple things right. and it was really tapping into that 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 mindset again like raging against the 90s raging against this kind of this compartmentalized 
little cubicle life, mm-hmm. here you could blow it up. Mm-hmm. Just destroy it, right? It doesn't matter if you're conservative or liberal or whatever. Just blow it up. And that, yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, that's scary. It's scary. But, um, but again, there's a part of me that like, it's a reaction to this, the world that yeah. existed. And I like, you know, to be clear, I think it, I think it is important to tell stories about nihilism and about sure, fascism. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's something oh, yeah, you yeah, should yeah, 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 yeah. be discussing. There's a lot of value in it. Mm-hmm. And I think this, this movie is one of the more valuable yeah. things uh, that takes on these topics. I just think like, you know, like I, I said, probably all way back at the beginning, like the just the ending moral is a little muddled yes. to me. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like, I got the girl, I blew <laughs> yeah. up the credit card yeah, company, but I'm also okay now. Yeah. Like, I okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, like in the book, was a little more appealing to me in that, like, it felt like the narrator had experienced real growth um, mm-hmm. and, and come to a different kind of realization that I need other people rather sure. than like I just yeah. got rid of this but parasite that was yeah, in me. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was thinking I'm cured. Yeah, all better. yeah. But you know, I invited other people in, and I also, but also, uh, what I've done, my philosophy has failed me. But it's also just unleashed this hell yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> that we're probably gonna have to deal with. Kind of like the work continues. You know, it's yeah. like we gotta we gotta keep working at. I it. think maybe that's another thing. Yeah, like the, the that's a good, the work continues. Like wrestling with your demons yeah. and all that stuff is not a. Yeah, you solved it. It's it's an ongoing thing. You're yeah. constantly having to kind of fight those things. That's what I like about this ending is mm-hmm. is narrator presumably like learns his lesson. He kills Tyler, but those buildings are still destroyed. Like <laughs> they're still <laughs> yeah. like kind of like the dark ending of like he's probably going to face some consequences for. Well, for it's all also of this. interesting because it is like they say like oh it, you know this was before the cloud and right like now credit yeah. card records or ever you can't destroy mm-hmm. them. But at the time, if that really truly reset, <laughs> reset yeah. the 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 bank statements, it is yeah. It's there's obviously a lasting consequence to this. <laughs> it's not just like oh this character is cured, his arc is over, and he's right. you know fulfilled it. It's no, at, in so doing, he's changed the world forever. Or yeah. you know, and and that's another thing is like I think tied up a little bit in terms of the the toxicity and this this idea of like oh everything. I'll, I'll ruin the world as long as I could fulfill my own self, you know, my own self. <laughs> Whoopsie, like, what are the ramifications around you, though? Yeah. Like, that's great. You're all better now. But Glad did you okay. notice everything that you bodies in your wake? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I like what you're saying. Yeah, I, I think looking at it that way, it's true. It's yeah. Like, this is kind of yeah the ramification around you. Sure. Yeah. Just maybe a little like there. It doesn't it's not as explicitly blaming the narrator for no, it, no, no, but, no, but, but I'm not sure that that's maybe necessary. Yeah. All that being said, I I do just love the lasting image of the end because the, just the simple, he's just holding a hand. Like it, again, just like Fincher's just like, yeah, storytelling, perfect encapsulation of kind of where that arc is. He's, he finally is connected for who he is with the one person that he's wanted to connect to, <laughs> despite the world falling apart around him. Like he's still just bonded in that way. Which is what he was looking for all along. And there then penis. Is. And then cock. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Also, I do think as, as silly and that is, I do actually kind of appreciate because the ending is a little schmaltzy, like a little bit like, oh, we're holding hands. Yeah. And then flashing that cock is like, oh, yeah, but yeah, we're still, you know, assholes and it's still like. <laughs> well, we did it. We solved it. Yeah. We solved everything. <laughs> there you go. We solved everything. Any mysteries left? Nope. Cue, cue so. the pixies. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact, that's like one of two songs I can play while singing. 
on the Ooh. guitar. <laughs> oh my god! So you are going to do it now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I part of me wishes I brought my guitar, but what's the other song? Uh, Karma Police. Oh, mm, yeah, good choice. Good, <laughs> good, good songs. Other, otherwise, I just I, I think it's just because I pick songs that require too much of my attention. Mm. Yeah, you could do like Baby Beluga or something. Like that. <laughs> Um, I had one small little other thing, and this is this is half developed, half. But I thought I I just kind of throwing it out there. There's there's a part of me there's there's a lot of references to, even though I don't think it's a full like metaphor necessarily for like God, obviously and stuff. Mm-hmm. And part of me is like, I think there's something to me kind of even like gleaned from this idea of Tyler being this Old Testament version of God, this authoritarian punishment dealing in a Mm. world without religion in a world that's like adrift like the narrators Mm. they're living their lives this old testament god it takes an authority figure to like force them like and literally here are rules here are 10 commandments here are eight (laughs) rules about how you are to live your life and it being the narrator being the idea of a new like like a christ figure in a in, in in a metamorphosis of that Old Testament God to a New Testament of like destroying the the financial systems around him mm. and reestablishing the world with this human connection at the center of it. Wow, I don't know. I, I don't it, like. Am I? I know I'm really reaching here, and from everything <laughs> I've read, there was never any intention of that. From I put, I don't know. Like, there's so much God. This idea of God hates you, and it's like, and Tyler is essentially God in this. Like, he's playing that role. And it, so it's hard, like, it was like, oh, the connect, the, the, there's the connections there, even if they're not intended. I was just like kind of seeing this idea of like yeah. this biblical idea of, of, of a change in terms of how we view a deity and, and, and kind of this idea of like a vengeful God to a more self-actualized version of, of redemption. I don't know. Really reaching there, but throwing no, it out no. there. No, <laughs> no. I, I, I think that's valid. I, I feel like. Christian imagery and narratives are so embedded in our yeah, culture that yeah. that's not that's not that far of a reach for me. Yeah, and I, I I'm glad it's not so embedded because I generally when it's like crosses and people doing this and yeah, like sure. I, it's <laughs> very heavy handed in most things where it's there, but because it's not so much in this, it makes me kind of like drawn to it no, even like, more so I in like a weird that way. Right? That's cool. I don't know, just something I was thinking about. Edward Norton's cheek died for our sins. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and that is the stigmata. <laughs> so. yes. It ain't an analysis until someone puts the biblical metaphor. <laughs> yes, exactly. Stank it has to on be it. Done. <laughs> All right. Well, I thought it'd be fun before we, we go any further to see how many of the rules of Fight Club that we broke <laughs> okay. in this podcast. Rule number one, you do not talk about Fight Club. Fail. Oops, dang it. Rule number two, you do not talk about Fight Club. <laughs> Double fail. Yep. Damn it. Uh, rule number three, if someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out, the fight is over. Well, that's haven't got there yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. Still have some <laughs> casting left to do. Rule number four, only two guys do a fight. Broke, broke that yeah. one. <laughs> rule number five, one fight at a time. <laughs> No, we were, I interrupted you guys a little bit. Yeah. Does that? <laughs> I think we've done all right with that. Rule number six: no shirts and no shoes. Sadly, yes. we broke that one. I was really hoping we'd and follow. Now we that have rule. also no pants. Yeah, <laughs> we did it wrong. Yeah, we. Yeah, we should have had pants. <laughs> so that's the only thing Oops. we failed at. Oopsie. <laughs> 
Uh, rule number seven, fights will go on as long as they have to. I have a feeling this will go on longer than it has to. <laughs> oh, baby, <laughs> I mean, will it? Define has to. <laughs> I got a pitch brand to go. And uh, the eighth rule, if this is your first night at Fight Club, you have to fight. Well, we, this, this is, is not our first round. Yeah. Yeah, well, so it's our first non-applicable. fight club you know, episode. discussion <laughs> episode. <laughs> but yeah, I guess not quite. So okay. yeah, what is our record? What, what, um, I think we have followed like half of these at best, okay. <laughs> maybe less. Also, has anyone been in a fight, like a real fight? I know that that you mentioned the threat of a fight. I mentioned threat in those cases. I never actually did fight. Although it's funny because a friend I was with. He's like, I'll fight you. So then they got in a fight. And I was like, why are we in the middle of like uh, North County? And I live in San Marcos. Oh, by that that movie theater, frequent movie theater mentioned on this cast was the San Marcos Edwards. Oh, that was where I who, movie hopped. Um, but uh, it was out and around there. It was like we're on the side of the road by a Circle K. And my friend's like fighting some strange guy. <laughs> no. And like, I was like, and I was just like a, like I'm a buttoned down, <laughs> dumb little innocent middle-aged suburban boy. Like, why are we? I don't, I don't like this. Anyways. But I will say, I've never fought someone, but I did punch someone. Is that close? Ooh, yeah. And this, in in elementary school, there was a friend of mine. He was like the cart. He was like Cartman. He was just a complete asshole. He's a big guy. His parents just like spoiled him. He was just a, just an awful dumb little kid. But he was a friend who I hung out. Anyways. As a kid, it's like you're always, you're, I don't know, you're friends with assholes for some reason. Like, good guy though. Yeah, good guy, <laughs> yeah. friend. Anyways, uh, we were playing softball at like lunch or something and we had to divide up the teams and for whatever reason, all the girls were forced on one team and like a few of the guys who were like not quite as popular or whatever were forced on the girls team. And the whole game, they were just like trouncing us because it was all, it was him and the other like kind of athletic kids. And they're making fun of us and just like the game was over. We're lining up on the lunch blacktop after lunch and just constantly taunting us and like, oh, you girls. And I was just so angry. I punched him in the stomach, just like gut punched him. <laughs> Sucker punched him in the stomach. And I was like, holy shit, I'm, I'm in trouble. Cause yeah. he started crying. Like he's a big fat crybaby. He started crying <laughs> and the teacher is coming out. I'm like, oh God, oh God, oh God. And he's, he's like crying. And she's like, why are you crying? And he said, Sean like punched me in the stomach. And she just like, all right. Everyone go like she could not care less. Like she got it. She knew this oh was some dumb little. I was like, oh my god, I, that that's I, you know I, I, I gotta go away with that one. But like again, that barely counts. I was in elementary school, but that's yeah. I I've never like had had a like fight squaring off with people. Yeah, I was in an organized pillow fight <laughs> in Pershing Square, and one guy was swinging like way too hard with like. Not the softest pillow. Uh-oh. He was annoying. <laughs> and I tried to hit him a little bit harder. <laughs> but uh, when I, also when I was in elementary school, probably like fourth grade, fifth grade, mm-hmm. fifth grade, it was fifth grade, where we were we would play soccer at, at recess, but it was more like a form of rugby. Because <laughs> like, there's just yes. all the boys just yeah. kind of like tossing each other around. <laughs> and what happened basically was I had trip someone on purpose so i'm not saying like i'm innocent in this situation <laughs> tripped him on purpose red flag I was trying to keep him from red the card, yeah, red right? card 
Right, he's like trip, trip, kind of tripped him and like pushed him to the ground. He got he's this kid was way more athletic than me. So like immediately got up, shoved me down, <laughs> and hit me in the face, and uh, I got a bloody nose from oh, it. No. So like I came out looking like the total victim in this, <laughs> and, like blameless. Also just yeah. like from reputations, like oh, oh my god, oh, you, you hear? You got a fight. Brian right hit the smart kid. <laughs> And and that's how obviously how you know the the teachers viewed it yeah. and like the the authority <laughs> figures yes. did, and they made him write me a, a letter like a two page apology. apology letter, where which was amazing because it takes like three sentences to apologize <laughs> to someone just for like I'm sorry yeah, I hate two you pages it's yeah. like so gotta... he starts talking about like his dog and like <laughs> what he's excited for Christmas for like to do uh, at Christmas. Like, oh man. I am Jack's like dog. Pen- I am Jack's <laughs> sense of sorry and apology. It became like a pen pal letter. Wow. Just, like, <laughs> uh, that's great. Brian Mostek, I don't blame you. I deserve oh. to be hit in the face. <laughs> wow. Any fights, Cam? Um, not really. I mean, my brother and I would oh. fight. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that fights. counts. They don't count. Oh, I don't know. But I, I remember, like, what was it? Maybe fifth grade? There was a kid who's kind of like a troublemaker kid. He, like, just challenged me to a fight. He's like, I'm going to fight you today. Like, after school, you're like, we're going to fight. And I was like, uh. <laughs> and then, like, he kept to his word. Well, he, we didn't fight, really, because I was just, like, waiting at the bus, in the, in the bus line. And he just, like, comes up. I didn't see him. He just like shoves me maybe a couple times. I don't know what broke it up ultimately, but it didn't really go much further than that. <laughs> sounds like you ever seen that movie Three O'Clock High? It <laughs> yeah. sounds exactly no, like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is the plot of like, you know, probably many like kids shows where it's just like the threat of the fight. Yeah, comes fight at yeah. the flagpole. Yeah, I feel like that's a Doug school. episode or yeah. something. <laughs> And later, that what was that movie with Charlie Day and Ice Cube? <laughs> oh, uh, te- um, Teacher Fight. <laughs> Some, yeah, you know, something it, like that. What was it? School Fight? Or? <laughs> it, it does have one of those like modern, yeah. like, terrible, generic, just like titles stating from what is it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like <laughs> two dumb words put together. Yes. That... Uh, fist Fight. Fist uh, Fight. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My only other close call in recent history was I was doing New Year's in vegas mm. which i don't recommend Uh-oh. to anyone and it's just like packed too late crowded yeah. on the strip like i imagine Times square is and the group i'm with i'm like the tail end i'm just kind of like following people yeah. to like because because it's like sardines and i'm just like not pushing anyone at all i'm just kind of like following my group like holding someone's hand and like and then stopping when we can't go any further and just like waiting and i was just like standing there waiting like not pushing or doing anything and some guys like at my eye level which is like above everyone else and this guy like looks over at me and he, he turns to, he's like as close to you are yeah yeah sean and and he's just like to his friend he's like this guy right here i'm about to punch this guy right here i'm just like i'm just standing waiting politely i'm not pushing anyone i'm uh, what what have i done to you sir he would he had a homework assignment and he yeah did a yeah, it was a fight, fight club assignment yeah uh what year was that um this is pretty recent it was like 20 20- i was just saying because i was also in vegas for new year's semi-recently like 2017 or 2018 2018 into 19 is when this i was. can't remember i might have I do remember challenging a tall guy to. <laughs> no. if I, just, I might have, might, I might have been in Vegas that year. It would have been funny, but could have come uh, to your rescue. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I could have come rescue. <laughs> it would have been like a scene, an anchorman scene. <laughs> yes, all, all the games. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I, I think I think we need to escalate this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Work it up into a Viva pitch. Yeah. This is now grown beyond Fight Club. This is now Project Pitch Hem. <laughs> I am Jack's pitch for yes. Fight Club. So I want you to pitch to me as hard as you can. <laughs> there it is. Thank you. Thank you. Let's throw out pitches. <laughs> Mine is pretty short, kind of silly, because I couldn't actually think of anything. Uh, But (laughs) I kind of like this idea of Tyler Durden as a spokesman. He's clearly Mm. very charismatic. People want to be him. They want to listen to him. And kind of like play around with some sort of like subliminal advertising thing or or you know kind of like anti-advertising but advertising like mm-hmm. just kind of fold these ideas that are present at fight club up into each other mm-hmm. so you don't even know like what's <laughs> going on and also just because like why why make another fight club like it would <laughs> yes. defeat the purpose the, it would d- dilute the message of, mm-hmm. of the movie but so i want him to like just be somewhere like in some sort of format like giving this impassioned speech about you know abandon your social pretenses and listen to your instincts. And you know, you think satisfaction comes from a bunch of consumer crap is destined for a landfill. Like we're all thirsty for something real. Disobey authority. Obey your thirst. <laughs> Sprite club. <laughs> oh man, that would have been the thing is if this movie had come out like 12 years later, I could see them marketing that like, well, <laughs> This is like a funnier die video. It's basically what I just <laughs> yeah, described. That's that's my pitch. Uh, that's awesome. I can't say it. I didn't cross my mind because I was looking for like rhymes, rhymes, and rhymes. Yeah, yeah. This is ha- sometimes half the battle is like you just start with the title, but I didn't entertain it. I was just like sprite clip. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Eric what, went well, there. Yes. One man's trash is another <laughs> yes. man's treasure. <laughs> All right. Um, so my, mine's a little half baked as well. I don't I necessarily finish it, but I kind of envision like a, a straight sequel. You know, so it's twenty plus years later. Edward Norton's narrator is now serving a life sentence for orchestrating all of Project Mayhem's many acts of terrorism from the first film, and he has fully embraced the Tyler side of his personality as a defense mechanism to survive the harsh world of prison. And Project Mayhem, outside of him, has ballooned into a worldwide QAnon-like online cult who worships Tyler Durden and continues their reign of terror in his name. Uh, one day, the narrator is surprised to receive a visit from someone the guards only refer to as a family member, and he's surprised when it turns out to be Tyler's long-lost twin brother, Skylar Durden. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so it's Edward Norton as like the dark Tyler version. And okay, Brad Pitt okay. as Skylar Durden. Wow. <laughs> and he is Tyler's opposite. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> a squeaky clean, endlessly optimistic do-gooder who annoys the narrator to no end and tries to appeal to his better nature. Not long after, some highly organized Project Mayhem disciples infiltrate the prison and successfully break the narrator out, roping him back into his terrorist ways. But Skylar continues to appear to him, serving as the angel on his shoulder that gradually convinces him to 
give up his evil ways and seek out his old girlfriend, Marla. He reconnects with her, learns that they have a son together. And this is where it kind of falls apart and I don't have it fully written. But I imagine the son is, ends up becoming like a Project Mayhem member. Okay. He kind of I, finds out who his father was, idolizes him. Trump um, wants to get back in, like and live up to it. Yeah. yeah and and Skylar's kind of like this guilt on his shoulder that's like, I can't let my my son, my family, I can't destroy. Like, I have to pay the consequences for what I've created and be responsible. So it's it, so if Fight Club is like the evil side pulling the narrator into the middle, this is the good angel like pulling <laughs> yes. him back into the middle from the dark side. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like the, the the opposite side of the coin. Um, and my title is Bright Club. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Sprite? No, that's not. Sprite's not good enough. Bright. Right. <laughs> Uh, that reminds me of that like that product or that project that had been like just in development hell forever about like Chad Schmidt. Chad Schmidt. Yeah. I, okay, so I <laughs> interned at the company that was going to make that. I read that script oh, nice. as part of like what's my, sorry what's Chad Schmidt? So, it's it was a script where it's like a doppelganger of Brad Pitt named Chad Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> just like I don't know, I'm on board. Sort already. of like a Bowfinger type. Okay. Movie yeah, yeah, where it's yeah. like the doppelganger of the yeah. of the celebrity. I don't know. It's very meta. It's like his and... fortunes are very different from the actual Brad. Like as Brad Pitt gets more famous, his, oh, his, yeah. his like life gets his worse luck gets worse, yeah, yeah worse. <laughs> but I just want like Norton could could dip into that like American History X like scumbag mode. Oh uh, yeah. Tyler. Oh sure. Yeah. And I just want Brad Pitt to be like the just happy go lucky like um, <laughs> almost like a burn after reading. yes yes yeah. exactly <laughs> like i just love him as like the cutesy like himbo <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, uh yeah i love it perfect there you know temper temper the dirty grime meanness of the original yeah, yeah. and it's a, it's a piece it's the yin and yang um all right strap in mine's a little long apologies That's what we want apologies ahead of time that's why you're here also apologies because i this is a cheat you will see what I mean as soon as I begin. Okay. But this is a cheat, so I don't know whatever points I need to be de- need to deduct from my what were we watching score. Um, that's fine. Even more so, I'm playing to my audience, so I, I'm just pandering on every level. So, I, I and I'm aware of it. All right, so I'm not above it. That's how we do. Just so we know, yeah. I'm aware of all of this. But I wanted to tap into some of the themes that I thought Fight Club shared with this. So here we go. Any resistance is defeated. Only minor minor skirmishes flare up now and again, but are put down quickly. Order has been established, an order that controls the galaxy. Kylo walks out of his personal chambers. He walks through his perfect cruiser, everything in place, the right troopers, the latest droids, and the best formations, a fulfilled destiny in the force, complete control, his subjects obeying, his fleet dominating, the resistance seemingly dead but he can't sleep the more systems he controls the worse the insomnia gets hux reports in and he barely hears him a voice underwater uh he hires some bounty hunters to find the last resistance fighter poe's still out there so he gets some bounty hunters but while he's meeting with the bounty hunters he realizes these bounty hunters don't care that he's kylo don't care who he is so he starts going to these bounty hunter guild meetings more often and more often because they don't (laughs) treat him as a hero they accept him they don't ask questions the complete lack of recognition helps his sleep. But then Finn shows up. After the resistance, he had nowhere else to turn, so he kind of turned to bounty hunting. 
and Finn knows Kylo. They both recognize each other. So Kylo can't keep going. He knows Finn will turn him in. He knows that he sees him and he can't just be who he wants to be. So with insomnia resurging, he goes off on a mission to quell a minor trade dispute in some outer rim planet. X troopers to quell Y resistance fighters. If that number is lower, they were to destroy the planet. He has to go in. You know, it's a numbers thing. (laughs) Um, Afterwards, he pops into a cantina, a rope figure in the booth next to him. He can feel it. It's Ray. Thought long dead. They square off, eyes meeting, but realizing that neither one is the strength to energy, they both kind of back down. They lower their guards, have a couple more drinks, realize they don't really want to fight. And as they're heading out, Ray demands, I want you to force push me as hard as you can. (laughs) In this bar in the middle of nowhere, they start using their force powers on each other. Not to fight, not to win, not for some big struggle, but not constrained by light side or dark side. Just flowing, flowing with the force. (laughs) They say they should do it again sometime. Between missions and planets conquered, Kylo meets up with Rey in secret. No judgment, just force usage. Not limited to light and dark side. Can do whatever they want. And they start, eventually others start kind of noticing. And they want in. Even if they're not strong in the force or they don't know what they're doing. Doesn't matter. Just a connection. They want to belong. They want to see and be part of this this force club. As they develop this more and more, Kylo starts acting more like Ray. Ray questions everything he knows about himself. Why is he trying to control everything? Why is he obsessed with the idea of power? She starts infusing him ideas with hope and freedom, not just from the First Order, but from the constraints imposed upon him by how he's supposed to act as a member of the dark side and a legacy of a Skywalker. He was trying to live up to the legacy of his parents and his grandfather, but she, she has no legacy to live up to. She was truly free. He learned that she is everything that he wants to be. She forces like he wants to force. She's free in all the ways he is not. (laughs) Eventually, bounty hunters bring in Poe. Kylo, through him, finds out that there's a massive resistance fleet that he's been gathering. And they're meeting up. um, A last kind of ditch effort to fight the First Order. But as the Force Club starts gaining popularity and more and more members of the First Order join and are able to be themselves, eventually... Recognizable faces start showing up to Force Club. Rose and Chewie, Finn, and Ray starts recognizing him, reestablishing the connections he had. Ray and Finn establishes what they kind of had before. And Kylo gets more jealous of them. They Ray starts spending more time with their old friends, and he lashes out. He sees Ray going further away from him. He probes her mind and discovers kind of where her friends are hiding out, where Chewie and Rose and everyone are. So he lashes out, and in a harrowing strike, he kills Rose. Her name was Rose Tycho. Her name was Rose Tycho. And because of this, Ray rejects Kylo, leaves him. He's alone again. But he searches for her. He searches across the galaxy. Hops, hyperspace hops, jumps across everywhere it goes. One step behind her. These force clubs popping up here and there on the outer rim on these planets, always in cantinas, little whispers of her name in the wind. Always one step behind her. And he goes and he gets bits and pieces of more, some agenda she's planning. Did you hear about the force club on Naboo? I hear Ray is building an army. She's recruiting everyone. She has a plan. Finally, when searching the ruins on some rocky planet, some rocky island planet, he finds the remnants of an old master's training area. He has a striking feeling of being here before. And then that's when Ghost Luke shows up. I knew you'd be back. Kylo, I've never been here before. He never cared about chasing you down, old master. I never cared about your legacy. No, Kylo. I knew Ray would be back. What? Yeah, Ray. You. The same. It's called a force projection, and the audience has no idea. 
<laughs> we get flashbacks of their forced connection in The Last Jedi, the water droplets, the shared experiences, Luke learning that they are the same when he senses Ray's power. I was afraid then, or I wasn't afraid enough then, I should have. I should be now. Then we get flashbacks of The Force Awakens, of Kylo questioning himself in the torture table, stormtroopers reacting to his weirdness, <laughs> flashbacks of the fight scene on Starkiller Base, of Kylo fighting himself, no one that he's fighting in the forest, Finn unconscious, flashbacks of Snoke's boudoir, Kylo somehow taking down the entire guards and killing Snoke himself, and then wrestling and tearing apart Anakin's lightsaber as he's fighting himself. <laughs> Flashback to early in the film when they first originally formed the Force Club. Kylo just using Force powers on himself, tossing himself every which way, lightning, random Force powers. Back to Luke, confessing that he learned that he knew that there was that Ray was just a part of Kylo. That even probably Leia realized it at some point. That he Ray is just a manifestation of Kylo, the good part of him, the part that deep down he always wanted to be, free from legacy, free from power and control, from defined roles, a nobody, somebody who could be loved, somebody who could be loved and provide a beacon of and hope for people across the galaxy, someone who learned and grew from the past but was not bound by it. He created Ray himself. They are the same. Kylo flees. He goes to Hux. He tells Hux everything. the The Resistance knows the plan. They 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 they're in on it. Uh, Hux is like, oh god, okay, we gotta send the fleet. As he leaves, the troopers in the room kind of take off their helmet and eye him. They kind of smile. They go, we think you're really brave, sir. You're really courageous. We know, sir. May the force be with you, sir. And he goes, no, no! And they start wrestling him. They start bragging, dragging him down. About to shoot, or about to kill him. He wrestles free, grabs a, a data chip, and kind of lash, uh, jumps into his personal cruiser. He puts the data chip in. He says that, uh, there's a the the trap or the the resistance group that uh, they learned from Poe is that, from Poe is actually a trap that Ray has been planning this all along. So he launches his personal transport and tries to flee. Ray appears in the cockpit with him. She tells him that he can't stop it. The first order is done for. They fight in the cockpit. Kylo fighting himself. No one else in there. Just throwing himself in the cockpit. Ray, look at you. Just let go. <laughs> and as they enter hyperspace, he smashes the controls and falls unconscious. He wakes in the Dune Sea. Ridges of the Judlin Waste peeking off in the distance. <laughs> Ray next to him with his lightsaber. But he realizes it's actually he who's holding the lightsaber. He draws it. They fight in the desert. One on one. But it's really just a man against himself. Fighting nothing. He can't win. There's nothing to kill. Ray forces his lightsaber away. Off into the dunes. Into the sand. And nothing. And he sees the First Order fleet and the Resistance fleet amassing in the skies with the two suns. Radio, uh, Kylo ra- radios to his fleet in orbit, but there's no response. He tells him it's a trap. Get out of there. No one's responding. Ray tells him, no, nah, these are all on autopilot. This was all part of the plan. There's no one in there. No one's going to die. Those are just the fleets. And in the distance, a figure approaches his Finn. We all set, Ray? Ray nods. She takes Finn's hand. But really, it's Kylo holding his hand. She looks to him. It has to be you. Free yourself in the galaxy. She hands him a detonator switch. And as he pushes it, Ray disappears. Rilo and Finn hold hands on Tatooine, looking up at the two suns, with the fleets of Star, Destroyer, Star Destroyers, Rebel ships, cruisers, corvettes, X-wings, ties, Y-wings, everything exploding in the skies. They turn to each other as the Mos Eisley Cantino theme song plays. Ah, <laughs> 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 yeah, whatever song you <laughs> and that is called Star Wars Episode Nine: Fight of the Fates. Oh, <laughs> there's a cheat for you. <laughs> Squeeze that little doozy in. 
son of a bitch. I know. Yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize <laughs> profusely ahead, but it bears more apologies. So uh, better than Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I, I, I I was very I I was wanting to bring up, but there's a lot of themes like uh, this idea of this past and this bound yeah, by what yeah, society yeah. is constrained that I do think share with what I would have liked Rise of Skywalker to capitalize on. We don't need to turn this into a Star Wars discussion, but yeah, no, there you go. I, I like the idea of like, yeah, just the light and the dark kind of represented in one person kind of. I like the idea too, the the force projection, like Luke kind of introducing it last Jedi, but yeah. like, oh, all along it was, he's so powerful. He's been force projecting Shit. this other yeah. persona like <laughs> around the galaxy. I want you to force push me as hard <laughs> as you can. <laughs> Diabolical. <laughs> I want you to duel me as hard as you can. <laughs> I just like the imagining, like that's why Kylo is like hitting himself on the side during the oh, force, yeah. climax mm-hmm. of the Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and like him just hulking out and ripping a lightsaber in half <laughs> on his own. <laughs> With the forest, all those moments, just like, and just pulling it like he literally is at like uh, war with himself. He can't like. Also, just (laughs) Kylo's the main. I want to see a Star Wars character, Kylo being the main. That'd be so cool. Anyways, sorry, Fight Club, Fight Club. It's about Fight Club, not Star Wars. Well, (laughs) there's so yeah. In the end, it's always about Star Wars. Star Wars. Oh man, (laughs) there you go. There's yeah, a long, 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 long pitch. We wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> Bravo. Yeah. So to follow that, how do we follow that? <laughs> well, we do have to ask ourselves oh, that's right. one more question we typically ask, and that's for Fight Club. What were we watching? What were we watching? I kind of said it before. Uh, I just see this movie as the culmination of that 90s sense of disillusionment taken to its toxic extreme and the dangers of of what can happen if we fully indulge in that desire for self-destruction and just a beautiful, ugly masterpiece of a film. (laughs) I think it's David Fincher's best, if you ask me. Yeah. It's up there for sure. I mean, just in terms of like tight cinematic. Yeah. Amazing performances, simple, but great. Absolutely. Yeah. I was watching a seductively dirty, grimy, seemingly nihilistic indulgence that is challenging on every level. Uh, uh, Something that forces me to evaluate myself every time I watch it, that keeps me in check that gives me a sense of excitement and nostalgia, but not in the the pleasant nostalgia that I think we associate with that word, but nostalgia of who we could have been if circumstances were different and a constant reminder of kind of who I am now. You are Jack's smirking <laughs> <Yes>. revenge. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think just on a general level, it's a mirror to the ugliness of the human psyche, specifically masculine psyche Mm -hmm. more and more uh in terms of how it relates to our modern world it's it's kind of a primer on radicalization and the idea that like these movements and it's fascism it always starts with some deep internal doo-doo yep (laughs) so you know it it, but it's still worthwhile to like cast a light on all these dark places uh where we hold these kind of feelings and and learn to recognize yourself like you were saying earlier sean 
learn to recognize how you are and are not that type of person. Fight Club. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's good. We talked about it. We broke the rules. I know. We did break the rules. What's going to happen to us? I guess, that means next week there's going to be more people here talking exactly. about it. <laughs> that's, that's why the rules don't matter. Yes. That's why it's like another another one of Tyler's mind fucks. It's like yes. it's the reverse of what a rule is. <laughs> he wants you to talk exactly. about it. It's on everyone's lips, but no one's saying it. Mm-hmm. Just the nods we, we give each other as we pass and, in the street. And, with our black eyes. And, <laughs> yes. I like by the... I, just sorry to like jump back right back in it but i love how like the the escalation of that happens but by the end there's that bartender who's in the neck halo (laughs) (laughs) i think it's so ridiculous just from guys with like kind of busted noses and black eyes to like oh my god what happened uh yeah such a meaty film there's so much to go back to yes this has definitely been a meaty discussion Mm. with our beefy man friend oh man (laughs) thank you sean Thank you. I mean, yes, I am Jack's complete sense of privilege and joy and gratitude <laughs> for being here. Thank you so much. I I love this movie. Uh, for all it's just challenging, weird, meanness, nihilistic, which in so many other contexts I would not like. It stays with me and I go back to it and it's a part of me. And thanks for letting me be here to talk yeah, about it. You're welcome. It's clever. And, it's, and that's working out for you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, where could people listen to you? Uh, so well, if you'd like more to listen ideas. to more of me, if you'd like to hear more, what does a death rattle sound like? <laughs> <laughs> um, you what could go cool. over to After the Credits, uh, afterthecredits.castos.co or any podcatcher. We talk about recent films that are coming out. As of this, you could probably hear us talk about some Shang-Chi and the legend of the ten rings, Ooh. and maybe some what if, and maybe Whoa. some. We might have a bonus episode actually out about this about some maybe video game stuff. <gasps> but um, so go ahead over there. You could also, as of this time, probably hear me on some Marvel Star Wars Explorers talking about some UK age UK weekly stuff and unpodcast related but i'm just gonna i'm just laying myself out like i said i'm not above you know pandering and pitching and you know shilling myself out a film that i co-wrote and worked on last year called the ghost of the ozarks has been accepted and is going to be featured and premiering at the austin film festival um, which is going on the middle of october so if there are any listeners out there in Texas or want to head that way during October, come on over to the Austin Film Festival and get a ticket for The Ghost of the Ozarks. It's pretty exciting. Uh, I'm super proud, but I'm, I'm going to be there, but I'm super stoked about it. So, yeah, I'm just pitching the, my own my own consumerism. They're Planet, Planet Sean right there. <laughs> So, Are there any yeah. cool like CGI like fly throughs of, like, uh, of a refrigerator? Just a, a CGI penguin. Just a CGI uh, okay. penguin. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see that film. And also, listeners, recommendation: if you have Hulu, you should check out Twelve Hour Shift. Oh yeah, which is another film that <laughs> Sean Davis worked on. I worked on and catch a little cameo. And these cameos, right? Yeah, exactly. And maybe I'm in Ghost of the Ozarks too. Oh, Who knows? My God, that's what I'm most excited for. <laughs> catch all of that stuff and more, and all other Castville fun. 
once you're yeah once you're done checking sean out in all those places Mm -hmm. uh go back and listen to more of us uh what were we watching dot com i'm just gonna i'm just gonna gush here about your napoleon dynamite episode (laughs) so good i mean jack was so lovingly excited about it and like I'm a fan of that film, but I'm so glad I got to listen to super fans talk about that film. <laughs> That's what this podcast is all about, man. We don't want to hear anyone rip apart Fight Club. You know, it's like we yes. want to hear someone who's passionate about it. And it's uh, it is fun coming right after Napoleon as some something that is just so lovingly innocent. Innocent's not like <laughs> quite the right word for Napoleon Dynamite, but you know, what I mean? wholesome. It's, it's wholesome. <laughs> yes, wholesome to Fight Club. You're, you're like we're swinging. We're swinging to the other extreme, just like like what we were talking about earlier. We contain multitudes. Yes, exactly. Just what layers. were we Walt Whitmaning? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find out if you go to our Bandcamp page or our website, uh, listen to some of our older episodes, uh, including Aladdin from a couple of years ago, uh, oh, yeah. and Willow from Not Quite Star Wars Month. Remember that? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> As, Why did I not chew in some Star Wars pitch right. on that one? Dang. <laughs> uh, Last Jedi Roundtable, you were there for that, right? No, I wasn't there for that. God it's uh, one it. of my great regrets in life that I wasn't there for that. That's why I had to do this. You're on some Star Wars. I was well, the, you're on the Solo one. I was on the Solo that you guys shared. No, no. It kind of, it was, it was technically was a Marvel Star Wars But you guys episode. were there. Yeah. Yeah. So I was on that though. We're okay. all there. Yeah. We're everyone's, there. everyone's the always there. We have all podcasted together <laughs> yes. many times. That's uh, it's, that's it's a regular reality. human caterpillar of podcasting. Over here, folks. <laughs> human centipede. Of oh, human centipede. Yes. <laughs> human caterpillar is, <laughs> sounds cuter. Yeah. <laughs> well, but human centipede is more accurate. Yes. Let's be real. <laughs> With that image in your head, uh, follow us on social media: <laughs> Twitter, Very Facebook, <laughs> Instagram. No TikTok yet. Probably never. Uh, and, you know, rate and review us on your podcatchers. I'm jealous of the Marvel Stars Explorers who have been reading their, I, their iTunes, Apple, reviews. iTunes reviews. Yeah. And if you want to drop us a line, what were we watching at gmail.com? We'd love to hear your thoughts about Fight Club, your ideas for bringing down the syndicate yeah. corporate state. Um, <laughs> what's your What's your favorite idea from the Anarchist yes. Cookbook? Your favorite recipe? <laughs> Or your favorite Brad Pitt performance or anything. <laughs> we'll read it on a future podcast. What historical f- figure would you fight? Yeah, yeah exactly. Perfect. That's a good. Perfect. Ooh, I want to hear those answers. All right. Can't wait. That about does it for us. Uh, but thanks again, Sean. It's been a pleasure to have you in our club. Thank you so much. I am the singing, dancing crap of the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all are, aren't we? So once again, for Sean Davis and Cam Seamer, I'm Eric Ambler. Thanks for listening to What Were We Watching? And until next time... Uh, Now a question of etiquette. As I pass, do I give you the ass or the crunch?